Gentlemen, welcome to No Budget Nightmares. This is Mo. He's a bad film hating while I skating all the while masturbating. That's, that's Mo Pawn. Yeah. yeah. And with me, as always, is the one and only Doug Tilly. He's bow, Doug Tilly, bow, 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 number bow, one super bow, guy. Bow, bow. Oh my. Mo, Mo, for the first time in a very long time, I'm feeling something today on this episode of No Budget Nightmares <laughs> that I'm just not. I'm just not used to. And you know what that feeling is? No. What is it? nervousness yeah no i get that it's get i'm that. nervous like it's the first time yeah no i totally get that it feels like the very first time yes it does <laughs> very good no uh i'm very nervous about today's show and i know you are as well we have a certain amount of anxiety because we're tackling something that is that we have to be careful we have to be a little bit sensitive and sensitivity is not the name of the game when it comes to no budget nightmares yeah, I'm very bad with with being sensitive. Yeah, you're you're an insensitive person. Would you say I, that? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I, definitely, I definitely am. <laughs> I'm feeling even more sensitive than usual because one of the things we had to do before starting our recording process today was to look at all of the reviews that people have given us on iTunes, and some of them have not been very kind to me. <laughs> but they've been very kind to me. Mm, kind to you, not so kind to your good friend Doug, and I really, I feel. <laughs> I feel, I you know, honestly, maybe it getting me back on my toes a little, if you can yeah. be back on your toes, maybe that's a good thing for this episode, because I'll be a little bit more sensitive, maybe I won't cackle like a fucking maniac, <laughs> apparently what I do all the time on this show, just screeching like a stupid fucking banshee, that's apparently, me, so, uh, sorry, that's me, I'm getting so, a lot of sorry. I, fuck off, <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, Today's episode of No Budget Nightmares is actually a viewer's choice episode. I believe our very first viewer's choice episode. Yeah, I mean, we've had suggestions in the past, mm -hmm. and more often than not, they're completely ignored. But but uh, in this case, it's actually a uh, 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 what's, what's the term? A perk? Is that uh, yes, a perk. Let's go with perk. It, it at least is a reward for it's one reward. of our Patreon uh, campaign um, donators who. A good friend of the show, Paul Bussetti, he has chosen a movie for us that we see, had to watch. See, after watching this, I'm sort of wondering how good of a friend of the show he really is. No, I kid. I kid, Paul. I kid. We he know kids you're... the Paul. Yeah. No, the thing about the Patreon campaign is that there are certain perks involved with it. One of them was the ability to choose a movie for us to watch. Now, Mo mentioned before, we have had, we've reached out to people to make suggestions before, but one of the nice things about suggestions is that you can say, no, fuck that, we're going to watch this instead. <laughs> That's not happening. Yeah, no, no. But in this case, we had to watch a movie whether we wanted to or not. Yeah. And I would say 
that the worst possible thing happened. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when you when you told me what he what he had picked, uh, which I'm sure the listeners want to know, and they'll they'll I mean I'm sure since hold your is, horses, listeners. Since this is going up soon, it'll be in the uh, you know the banner title of the post. But um, uh, I, I feel like I feel like uh, like the ultimate like the, the, it's the epitome of 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 the worst possible movie for us to have covered my concern and this is a major concern is that paul did not choose it with the idea that we were going to have a hard time with it he chose it because he thought that it would make for interesting content and in that he will likely be right i was gonna say he'll probably be accurate in that yeah but i do think that it's going it 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 has affected us in a way that he likely did not see coming (laughs) so paul i apologize for what's about to happen it's not going to be pleasant for anybody. <laughs> I'm 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 filled with anxiety, but I'm also filled with a I can only use the word rage. <laughs> Both at you and at this movie that you made us watch. I've got the biggest rage boner right now. Yes, and I'm I'm I wish I could stare at his rage boner because it would help <laughs> it would help center me because today we're going to be talking about 2010s, or I guess more accurately 2008s, according to the uh, credits, Women's Studies, directed by Lonnie Martin. And this was described to me by Paul as a feminist horror movie. And we talked about it briefly at the end of last episode. And in fact, (sighs) one of the things we talked about at the end of last episode was, oh, we're going to have to be a little careful what we say because (laughs) we're so cool and hip and we're we're, we're men and we're going to somehow come all over the place because we're just going to be throwing our seat around. Here's the thing. (laughs) It's going to be very reminiscent of a scene from The Taint. Exactly. (laughs) But we're not assholes generally. Mo might well, disagree. I was going to say I am. <laughs> Both of us are not assholes. <laughs> but sometimes... 50% of the time, one of us is... <laughs> Never mind. Go ahead. Yeah, try to guess which one. You'll be pleasantly yeah. surprised. Yeah. We, we try to be sensible. We try to come at these movies from a, you know, a quirky, fun way, but also with the idea that if there's a message being sent, that we are picking up on it and we or... are responding to it in some way. Yeah, and we picked up on a message, though I'm not sure it's the message that was intended. But I'm also going to preface our discussion today with the fact that we may be, it's possible, it is fucking possible that we are misinterpreting the message of this movie. And if we are, I'm not going to blame us, because we completely separately, two men have both misinterpreted it together, and I've talked to some other people who also managed to misinterpret it, so maybe it's just yeah. the fucking movie's fault at that point. No, I'm blaming the movie. Fuck should, this movie. We should probably tell the people what this movie is. I already have. I said it was Women's Studies from 2010 oh, or 2008. See, I, I, I'm so worried about my rage boner that I'm not even paying attention to what, to what you're saying. I snuck it in there, but you can focus yeah. on your rage a little bit longer because there's a little bit... There's a little bit of housekeeping we have to do first before jumping into the movie, which I know people love. Uh, I do want to mention we do have a new Patreon subscriber, uh, Mr. Evan Monday. Uh, who's Ooh. A, yeah, Evan is actually a good friend of the show, good friend of mine. Uh, he is a, uh artist, a writer in Toronto. Uh, you should check him out on Twitter. Just give a little search for Evan Monday. He actually has a great website. And he's also notable because on the recommendation of us – 
and more specifically me, he wrote about science crazed for his own online writing space. And, Fuck yeah. Yeah, and I, I don't think he'll ever forgive me, but he decided to reward us by contributing to our Patreon campaign, and we, we absolutely appreciate that. Believe me, every little bit helps, and a lot helps even more. <laughs> well, you know, and, and, it's, and it's really funny you would, you would mention science crazed because I also had a science crazed moment in what, the last what? couple of weeks. Um, where I, uh, okay, so I'm a, a member of the Something Weird fan club uh, on Facebook, uh, and uh, one of the other members on there had posted pictures of these buttons that they had made for uh, the movie She Devils on Wheels, and is it was like the the backpatch logo for the Man Eaters, which is the main female biker gang in that film. If you're unfamiliar with it. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I had I had commented on how awesome the pins were, and uh, Lisa, the the owner of something weird, posted a link to to where you could uh, purchase them. And, and so I went onto I went onto their Facebook page and I commented on the but the picture of the button. I'm like, these buttons are awesome. And the guy <laughs> and the guy who runs who runs the site and makes the button goes goes. Do I do I know you from somewhere? Like, do you do you do you do podcasts? And so I went down the whole thing of of podcasts. I'm like, yeah, you know, I did uh I did drunk on VHS for a while, and I and you know, and I co-host No Budget Nightmares, and I did a very short-lived uh, podcast about something weird video, and um and it goes, yeah, I know you from uh from No Budget Nightmares, and I'm like, that's awesome. And then he's like, he's like, you owe me an apology for making me watch uh. <laughs> For, for making me watch Re- Reanimator Academy, <laughs> <laughs> so of course, so of course, I profusely apologized for that, but recommended Science Crazed instead. Well, I've heard through the grapevine that there are some people out there who have purchased a copy of Women's Studies to watch before this episode. Oh, why? We, because we told them to, Mo. We uh, did. It was yeah. us. It's our fault. This is like the end of Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Yeah. It's too late. They're already here. <laughs> There's nothing we can do. So I'm just I'm just pointing mouth agape. Some people have paid money, like their good hard earned money oh, to, poor to bastards. So and it's our fault, and so we have to make it up for them by eviscerating this fucking movie, which is not something that gives me any pleasure at all. And in fact, we're gonna be very complimentary where it's due, and there are areas in this movie which deserve compliments. Absolutely. But the 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 general feeling behind this movie is so to me reprehensible that i was gritting my fucking teeth as i was watching it it just made me want to punch my screen and you know you sometimes people say that it's like oh, i was watching this movie it was so bad it made me want to punch my screen no, no. i wanted to punch my yeah. fucking screen to pieces yeah, yeah, yeah so i wouldn't have to look at this shit anymore boy well, here- you know what this movie made me a little upset now that i think about it here, here's a good indicator of how uh, how much this movie annoyed me. This movie is approximately an hour and a half long. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, now uh, we've talked at length about how long it generally takes us, or me specifically, uh, to to get through a movie. You know, and usually it's in the um, you know, depending on how long the movie is, it's in the three to four hour mark. I tend to know? say like double the time of the movie and maybe a little bit more for me to take notes on a movie. Yeah, that's that's usually about right for me as well. This movie I finished with full notes and f- just completely done in two hours. Holy shit, you were rushing through it. I rushed through the whole fucking thing, but I didn't miss anything. I took copious notes, you know, and I paid and I paid attention to all this for all the sound clips. I caught every little thing. But 
I wanted nothing to do with this movie. I'm like, I want to be done with this. Now, everyone listening right now who has no idea what women's studies is are probably very lucky. <laughs> they're very confused about what our problem is at this point. I mean, they're probably generally confused about what our problems are. But <laughs> let me just quickly just say, the IMDb summary for the plot of women's studies says, a grad student and her friends become trapped at a women's academy run by a cult of homicidal feminists. Okay? Now, oh yeah, that plot summary could make a really interesting, really kind of insightful, fun, uh, whacked out movie. It could be something special. And again, let's, let's all take a step back and remember, we don't mind when shit is tasteless. We don't mind it. No, no, We absolutely. like tasteless. That's absolutely. our thing. We, we live in filth. <laughs> but it's 100% true. <laughs> but what what I will not stand is when something is when something doesn't recognize how offensive it's being. You know? That to me is another layer of of offense to me, personal right. offense. Right. So that plot, t- think about that plot I just read and think about how that could go. Say, <laughs> say if someone was trying to make a certain political point and maybe not making it the most eloquent way. <clears throat> Let's just say that. That's, okay. a good way. That's a good way to say it. Well, I'm glad I said that well because there's some shit I'm not going to say well as we jump into 2010s or 2008s Women's Studies. Was there anything else we needed to talk about before the movie started? No, I don't think so. Uh, We do want to mention to everybody that uh, our Slaughter Tales contest will be ending on this show. And if you stick around till the end of the episode, and don't you dare jump ahead, you will find out the winner. We we know who it is. I know we're not supposed to say that like we are going to pick it live, but we're no good at doing stuff live. We picked it right before (laughs) the episode started using a random number generator. Random number chose you. I'm not going to tell you who it is. (laughs) <laughs> but we'll let you know at the end of the episode And we'll also let you know what our next movie will be And we had to do something a little bit special To make up for what you're about to experience Yeah, yeah, we got a good one planned for you Okay, Mo The movie starts P- Close your eyes <laughs> <laughs> it, it starts on some credits or something <laughs> that, that's the usual response from Mo on yeah, Nobody's Well, I was going to say, people will notice that compared to the last episode, I'm wide awake this episode. You do so. seem awake. Maybe it's the anger coursing through you. It's a little bit of rage. Uh, it's also a lot of Mountain Dew. Nice. The, yeah. the greatest combination for men. Oh, yeah. So the movie starts with a woman limping, um, and there's a lot of voiceover. In fact, this movie is very much fueled by voiceover. We find out later that this character is named Mary. Like the biblical Mary And she's played by Cindy Marie Martin Who is, I, I'm not sure if she's the wife or girlfriend Of director Lonnie Martin Is that, you know, offhand if that's correct I hate to think, <laughs> I, I hate to be It might be sister instead I apologize for getting that wrong if I, if I am Yeah, uh, well, you know, you're the one who does the research On this show, so I read I'm, it and it left my brain <laughs> Yeah, I was at work And I have a really wonky uh, Yes, I actually watched this movie At work <laughs> In a sex uh, shop, you say Yeah, yeah, yeah So as I was uh, slinging dongs I uh, I was also watching this um, and she's, no, she's been married to Lonnie Martin Since 2003 Oh, well, there you go See, I'm glad I vamped long enough For you to look that up That's right uh, And uh, But but I my internet connection is very uh tenuous at best there so and i could never open like new pages so i wouldn't have been able to look that up 
Well, thanks for the explanation, Mo. Yeah. <laughs> so this woman... I could keep that going for just like a minute and a half longer than it needed to. <laughs> so this woman is uh, limping. She looks very much injured. She wanders into a church and falls on her knees and crosses herself in front of a statue and then collapses. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. There's something crazy going on here. How did, right. how did it happen? How did she get to this point? This is something we're going to want to see to the end, I'm sure. <laughs> and then we get the title on the screen Women's Studies And remember at the end of the last episode When we were mocking the idea of Why would anyone want to watch a movie called Women's Studies I didn't mean that from the idea like That Women's Studies Say say the class in a university would be uninteresting I just mean that it's kind of a generic title For a movie It's a pretty shitty title It's a pretty shitty title But there are women in this movie And they do get studied Booyah. Booyah. So men, oh, actually, a man gets studied as well, which we'll see in just a little bit. <laughs> Poor bastard. So we discover, we, we actually jump back in time, uh, and we actually are reintroduced to uh, Mary because she works for a, sen- a senator in Washington, D.C., Yes. Which, my understanding is it's some sort of political place in your country? Um, yeah, it has, yeah. I, it's really more of a place for, like, bribes and kickbacks to... Uh, kickbacks? To sort of, yeah. We did it for the kickbacks. <laughs> I, Cancer I always, chemo. I always do. <laughs> <laughs> we discover that Mary is working for the campaign of Senator Gail Hamlin, uh, who is a, uh, I guess, a liberal-leaning senator who has breast cancer, we discover. But she's doing a talk about gender equality in the workplace, and she is played in this movie by Judith O'Day from the original Night of the Living Dead. Yeah, I, I love her in this. I wish she was in this more. You know what the funny thing about her performance here is? What? Is I wasn't sure going into this if she was a good actress or not, because in Night of the Living Dead, she barely says two words, right? Yeah, She's exactly. almost catatonic the entire time. Frankly, I find her character a little irritating in Night of the Living Dead. <laughs> but here she's great. She's really good. In fact, she's so she's good. super good. Yeah. yeah that, that it makes you think, hey, she's an actress. Some of these other people, not so much. <laughs> so Mary is out on the street. She's trying to, uh, to give out flyers telling people about this talk, but a lot of women in the city, they just don't give a shit. I, yeah, I love how, how everybody's just blowing her off. Like, who, who cares? Yeah. yeah, and exactly. And, and I mean, you know, I, I guess that is sort of representative of uh, the, the kind of um, passive feelings that a lot of young people have about important issues of the day. Hey, man, if it's not on the Twitter, I don't care. That's right. That's ex- an exact quote from one of these women. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> And we do hear a quote from Senator Hamlin that is going to be repeated throughout this movie because Mary comes in, she's very frustrated, but then she says that you can't force change on people, they have to want it themselves. I bet when Lonnie Martin thought of that line, he thought he was the smartest motherfucker on the entire planet. Mm-hmm. But I'll tell you what, he's not. <laughs> 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 well, they have a really strong relationship You can tell that Mary and the senator get along really well And I'm sure it's not going to turn into some kind of Last minute fuck around Where you discover that the senator's evil or something like that No, no, that, would, that could never happen in a movie That'd like be a little too hackneyed for a movie that's obviously This, um <laughs> It this would be developed. a little too expected A little too expected A little too A little on the nose So, we then see Mary in the shower Ooh. Ooh, I know. This is an exploitation movie. But no, she's pregnant. She discovers that she's pregnant because she has a pregnancy test and it says it's positive. She seems a bit upset about it. Yeah. Uh, and she does what anyone would do in this case. She goes playing tennis. Yeah, well, you know, here's the thing. 
foreshadowing can come in many, many forms. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I and and sometimes it's a pregnancy test. Sometimes it's playing tennis. Tennis, anyone? <laughs> Very good. Uh, so she's playing tennis with her friend Beth. Now, th- there are a lot of fucking characters in this movie, and we're going to keep them as straight as possible for you, the listener. But just. I, I'm not going to lie. I didn't even catch half of their names. So. Well, I'm here for you, yeah. Mo, and I'm here for you, the listener, as always. <laughs> and I have an IMDb profile right in front of me <laughs> that will assist me when I get lost. <clears throat> so this is Beth. Mary and Beth are good friends, but there's a little bit of a past there because you see Mary's boyfriend is a doctor and he's named Zach. And at yeah. some point in the past, Beth and Zach, they dated. So it's a little awkward. Awkward. So that's something that's going on in the background. Now, uh, Beth asks the question that anyone would ask to Mary in this situation. If she does not want to be pregnant and she doesn't really want to tell Zach about it, why doesn't she just get an abortion? Yeah. Now, we're not going to be so flippant about everything in this movie, but it is the reasonable question to ask. No, it's a to- no at this point in the movie, there's nothing particularly unreasonable happening. I, I-, I agree entirely. I mean, if they're-, if they're both supposed to be, you know, uh, left-leaning, you know, uh, feminists, then the idea of, uh, of getting an abortion wouldn't be so far out, you know. Right, exactly. Yeah. Mary's a little, she's a little iffy on the whole abortion thing because she was raised Catholic. She worries that she's going to feel guilty afterwards even though she's sort of a lapsed Catholic at this point. Yeah. Beth thinks that she should stop being a fucking baby and just get it over with. My, but- my, fa- my favorite part of this right here is how um, they go from playing tennis to now they're kickboxing. <laughs> she's beating the <laughs> shit out of that, out of that uh, kickbag. Yeah, uh, you know, they're, they're active people. They're modern, so... Hey. You know, it, like I, for a second, I thought it was going to turn into like a tampon commercial. Ooh, <laughs> that's that's definitely it's the I'm opposite saying, of that know? is happening. So yeah, they the go- opposite of that. Is <laughs> so they go to visit Zach at the hospital because he's interning at John Hopkins. And uh, when they arrive there, Beth makes a little joke that I think we'll all get a kick out of. Okay, I work for a nonprofit. Your boyfriend's going to be a doctor. There's a big difference. Hey, maybe he'll give you the abortion. One, not funny. Two, he's urology, not gyno. Yeah, but what's a vagina but an inverted penis? <laughs> so the reason that Mary gets along so well with Zach, according to the voiceover, is that he's very low maintenance, that he's self-involved enough to stay out of her way because she is a career-oriented woman, which is terrific. She has what seems to be a pretty strongly developing career, a good relationship with a senator. That seems like something that you can kind of go with. He's a doctor, which, I mean, certainly has enough, a lot of mainstream cachet, but, mm. uh, but you know, they're both doing very well. What we discover in a little bit is that Zach wants her to give up her career to kind of stay home and take care of children while he, you know, is a doctor and kind of takes care of the bills. Yeah. And, you know, maybe if she did that, all of this trouble wouldn't have happened. It's actually 100% true. <laughs> it's, well, it's easy for it to be 100% true, Mo, when you're actually designing the story to be that way. That's true. And, you know, and, and whatever. What do you mean, whatever? I don't know, whatever. Let's keep going. <laughs> <laughs> we are then really kind of quickly introduced to another character. This is Iris, who is about to, I guess, go to school in Washington. And we discover in a kind of a backwards way that Zach, Beth, and Mary are all heading to pick up Iris. So I guess they have some sort of previous relationship. Yeah. 
We also get introduced to Iris's dad, and we can tell right away that he's an asshole. Um, <laughs> I mean, he he just does and says assholey things, and the mother is sitting there almost catatonic. Obviously, this is a really bad uh, situation. He also, the first thing he tries to do is to give Iris a check for her to give to the school chaplain. So they're obviously a strongly religious family. Yeah, and I, you know, I... Uh... Uh, I think I, you know, it's funny, like the, like the father, you know, gets the point across really well, but I also find that the mother sitting there staring off into space, you know, is, is a great visual to sort of like really pull the whole concept together without having, you know, to go too far, you know, uh, uh, to take it too long. Absolutely. It says it, it shows without having to say it, which is good. Yeah, Even yeah. though later they do say it, so it doesn't really fucking matter. No, it doesn't, but it, but it gets the point across first so that when they say it later, you know, it's, it's, it's like reiteration. So uh, the, we haven't really talked about the technical specs of this movie. It's actually a really good-looking movie. Yeah, it's, the, it's, really, the... it's really well filmed. There's, I mean, like the, the one surprising thing is that there's like, you know, lighting. Yes. Because that... that tends to be overlooked a lot in the movies we watch. I mean, a lot of it is shot in what appears to be an actual school, which probably helps with the lighting, but everything is very bright. It's all easy to see. There's obviously been some attention to detail paid when it comes to the editing and some of the the, the camera angles as well. So when when we talk about the issues we have, it certainly doesn't have anything to do with the technical specifications. Though I will say, in this particular scene with Iris' father, the sound is really bad. Yeah. Uh, And I just wanted to bring that up here because the sound for the most of it for the most of the rest of the movie is actually really good yeah. so it's it's easy to point out when something is a little off i think it's important to reiterate at this point what our problem is with this movie because at this point when i was watching it i thought okay this is a feminist movie it looks like it's setting up for a really interesting you know uh a, a ch- because in this case with iris where her mother is obviously being dominated by her abusive father and he's a religious nut and she's getting away from it it seems to be moving in a direction that's actually pretty familiar to right. fans of really all movies yeah okay let me tell you listener it's going somewhere where you <laughs> Look, I know there are some people who are listening to this who probably agree with the politics of this movie and won't understand what our problem is with it, but I don't know what to tell you. I don't know. Yeah, yeah exactly. Or they're going to like think that we're like, you know, uh social justice warriors. Well, th- we are or that we're white knighting. Uh, it, well, white indeed. I, I I'm starting to think mo that maybe the problem that both of us had with this movie might be actually different. What? Well, that that actually, we're actually angry about two different things. Uh, I don't think so. I think we're I think we're angry about the same thing. Well, I guess we'll just have to see. Yeah, we'll so, find out. So Iris gets in the car with Mary, uh, Beth, and Zach, and uh, they even make a little joke at first that she's a harbinger, harbinger of doom. Uh, but on the way back, I guess it's quite a ways away from uh, from Washington. They stop for sodas, and this sequence is actually really weirdly edited because. The, the voiceover suggests that um, it kind of like pushes through of a lot of action that Mary and Zach immediately got into a fight <laughs> <laughs> about that very thing that I mentioned just a little bit ago about the idea of her uh, staying at home while he works and that's what he wants and I guess he's kind of old fashioned and all that horse shit but, uh, but Mary doesn't want to flush her career down the toilet and why should she? And then we are suddenly introduced to like a half dozen fucking characters all at once. Just at once. I, like, yeah. you, you know how this scene could have worked out a lot better 
is if instead of like having six people there, why couldn't it? I mean, because I understand that Sharon being there, the pregnant woman, uh-huh. w- w- was somewhat important because it sort of sucks Zach into the whole thing. Exactly. You know, and and why couldn't the why couldn't it have just been Judith? Right. Right. You know? Exactly. Yeah, and it, this doesn't seem to fit into what we learn about them later either. Yeah. But uh, but but I mean, there's all sorts of machinations going on here. Yeah. So yes, as you mentioned before, Sharon is one of the characters they're introduced to. She has fallen down on the floor in this restaurant, and she's pregnant. So Zach goes over to look at her and make sure that she's okay. And me- all... meanwhile, he's down there, like being you know very helpful, you know, and, and being very doctorly. Meanwhile, all the women are standing over him, just making fun of him. Making fun of him, mocking him, saying that they don't need his help, all that sort of stuff. We're also introduced to a red-haired woman named Judith. She's immediately friendly to Mary. She seems to be very welcoming. And there's also a third character, a much taller woman, uh, whose name we'll get to a little later. But she is French. When When she's finally introduced. When she's finally introduced. She's like a dominatrix type. So she's a tall dominatrix and Judith and Sharon and there's also one other woman who I don't think I ever get the name of, and she is more either. kind of bohemian looking. That's a good word. That's yeah. not bad. Yeah. Okay, so so she looks kind of like Stevie Nicks in the 70s. <laughs> <laughs> so there's four women who we are now introduced to. While they're all getting to know each other and generally being dicks to Zach, uh, someone steals Mary's car. And this this is a moment that actually kind of cracked me up because it's like, you know, that the movie at this point, I'm still sort of of the mindset that the movie's trying very hard to maintain like that, you know, pro feminism, sure. you know, uh, you know, and that's fine. But you, you happen to notice that when the car is stolen, Zach's the only one who actually takes off to try to stop them, <laughs> you know. And meanwhile, Mary's standing there screaming, "My car!" You know. <laughs> well, like, I mean, he, he, I, he didn't he didn't manage to catch up to it, so no, maybe... no, he, he didn't. But I mean, like, like it's just so funny that like they decided to use the the like the damsel in distress kind of like moment when they they. Why didn't she take off after the car? <laughs> well, maybe that was intentional, Mo. Maybe, I guess. Maybe, as we might discover. So <laughs> these women, we discover, <laughs> are all um, students at a local women's academy called Ross Prentice Women's Academy. And they invite our now stranded guests to visit them and stay with them until their car can be either recovered, I guess recovered, or they can find some other way to get out of there. Right, right. And they Reasonable. Pre- Right, and they quickly learn uh, a couple of things. Well, one thing they learn that the uh, um, that the school has the largest collection of like women's writings, you know, uh, or like the largest women's studies program or whatever it is, right. uh, you know, in the country. Uh, and of course, Mary's never heard of it, which of course cracks me up. Uh, we <laughs> and we also discover that there are no trains, no planes, and no cell signal. Also, this is apparently an academy, like a, a, a fully functioning uh, place of higher learning, right. and they don't have the internet. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's no. That's phone. never mentioned in any way, by the nope. way. Nope. Yes, they. They can't. Zach is outside, and he discovers he can't get a signal because this is a movie, and you can't get a signal in movies sometimes. Yeah. yeah. They say it's because of the mountains. Oh yeah, yeah. Hmm. They also don't let Zach stay in. The women's academy, because it's a women's academy. And there's rules, you know. I mean, th- this women's academy looks to be very large, but and there's only like ten people who stay there. <laughs> but there's a, a nearby guest house that Zach is going to stay in, and you know that works out. It's like a cabin. Good yeah. on him. 
Yeah. So they bring the women in. And this is where shit gets bad quickly. Because everyone turns into a stereotype immediately. Oh, it's just ridiculous. It's fucking reprehensible what happens here. Yeah. So, for one thing, Mary is our main character, and she is completely unlikable for the next hour of the movie. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I think she's unlikable for the rest of the movie. Just yeah, I think that's fair to say, actually. I, I think even after she has her big, like, hero moment at the end, I still think that... Uh, that she's I, I as that whole thing was going on, I couldn't have cared less if she won or not. Mary and Beth, uh, you know, we know they're friends, even though they have kind of a checkered past because of their shared boyfriend. Uh, we this is such a strangely designed segment as well because mm-hmm. what happens is that Mary comes to visit Beth in her room, the room that she's staying at in the women's college, and she's pissed at her. Because yeah. of how Beth has been acting very cold towards these people who have given them a place to stay. Right. But we haven't seen that happen yet. Yeah. So as they're talking about it, we get flashbacks to a meal that they had earlier. Yeah, and I, f- I find the, uh, yeah, the, the, like the pacing and the, like the way the dialogue's delivered uh, are um, given, you know what I mean? Like, uh, like the information, the way information is given to us and the editing in this scene, I, I just, I don't like anything about it. Okay, so let's just lay it out now. This is why this is a problematic movie, and I know that word problematic is loaded, but I'm going to use it anyway. Do it. These women at this uh, women's academy are are feminists, but they are... What do you mean, mean, these women? See what I did? (laughs) These women (laughs) are hardcore feminists, and you know what? Being a hardcore feminist is great. Women should be hardcore feminists because... Men have fucked up a lot of shit. And this stuff that I'm saying to you right now is what the women in this academy say, except ten times more intense and obviously written by a fucking man. But you know you know what this sort of reminds me of? Do you remember that movie PCU? Oh, yes. You remember, like, the womenists? Yes. They, they, it reminds me a lot of that. <laughs> but that's played for laughs. Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's the problem is because this isn't, it's almost unintentionally funny in how ridiculous it is. So Mary is upset at Beth because Beth, she's pissed at all these women for being such hardcore feminists. Look, 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 Beth, I hear you calling, but I can't come out to, sorry, go ahead, keep going. You will not allow any kiss content into our podcast. Me and the boys are playing. And now we're going to have to pay for that. <laughs> oh, sh- no, I think I got in just under the... <laughs> So here's some of the material that Beth is upset about. This is what Judith had to say. I guess it just came out while they were having a meal. And uh, let's hear. And little Miss Red Hot has been spouting her 1975 feminist philosophy. And almost the moment she saw us. Men are the enemy. They yes. control the corporations that control the media and the government. Now, that is a quote from Judith. Okay, yep. the red-haired woman from earlier. And it is supposed to show how exaggerated her feminist beliefs are. But guess what? She's right. <laughs> <laughs> Men are the fucking enemy because they do control all that shit, and they fucked it up big time. This movie is about... This is what this is about. <laughs> this movie is about if feminist goes too... Sorry, if feminism goes too far. If we let it go too far, then it'll all switch around in the other direction. Exactly. Right? Then we're the ones, we being men, we're going to be trampled on by these strong, willful women who will feel like they should be, <laughs> they should be able to do whatever they want and maybe get paid the same as men. 
And shouldn't they? And I think maybe they should, Mo. But you know who doesn't believe that? People who made this movie. Yeah, right. Because they think that if women are given, I don't know, the vote or something like that, (laughs) then soon they're going to be running the place. And soon they'll be castrating us. And soon they'll be fucking... (laughs) They won't even need men anymore, right? Because all they need them for right now is for procreation. But (laughs) now you can make them in a test tube or something. That's true. Yeah, and as well they should, because the physical act of love... You can't see me right now, but I'm smashing my fists together. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, just punching myself in the crotch, you know? It's just reprehensible. So anyway, these these women are... These women are crazy feminists. Yeah. Uh, But Beth, she sees right through this. And in fact, this is what she has to say about feminism. You know, I'm a feminist too. But men aren't the enemy even when we want them to be. Can you imagine a man writing that line for a woman to say in a movie? Yeah. Uh, Yeah, I can because I just watched it. You just watched it. (laughs) That is fucking horseshit. Yeah. Men aren't the enemy, even when they're, you know, literally punching me in the fucking face. <laughs> even when they're literally holding me down and beating the shit out of me. They, even when we want them to be the enemy, they're not. Yep. Fuck this movie, Mo. Can we stop yeah. now, by the way? Yeah, uh, it's actually about three more lines down in my notes where I write my first, I hate this movie. So. <laughs> because these characters are speaking this... Horseshit rhetoric. So all these straw men arguments are happening all throughout it, right? So you have one side who are speaking in a way that no person has ever spoken in their entire goddamn history of the universe. (laughs) So they're easy to, to, to knock down. It's like... It's like you can't make them believe it. You have to let them come to... It's got to be a... a, 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 It's got to be a moment where they come to it themselves. It's a come to Jesus moment. Come to Jesus. (laughs) You literally took the words out of my mouth. (laughs) And it's like, well, you know what? If people aren't thinking of an idea because they've never been exposed to it, because their entire life has been telling them the opposite of that, then maybe... You do got to shove it down their fucking throats. Sometimes, and this is and this is historical fact, that sometimes you need to be heavy-handed with a message in order to get it across. Like this movie, which is very heavy-handed with its shitty message. Yeah. And it gets it across, across my face. <laughs> There's a lot more anger to come, people, so. Yeah, we're, <laughs> yeah, we're like 15 minutes into this movie. So. <laughs> so let's move a little bit faster. Please. Mary goes into her room. And uh, and she even says in the voiceover that maybe it's a lot easier to take out my anger at men in general than take out my rage on the person responsible, me. (laughs) Because she's still upset about that whole pregnancy thing. (laughs) Zach climbs in through the window. She's in like a bathroom or something. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So I guess Zach was just hanging out outside until she came in or whatever. So they have a little talk, and this is a really weirdly framed scene. It's trying to be very artistic. So you have Mary, she's framed, she's circled, she's trapped in a mirror. Ooh. While we see Zach on the right side of the frame, and they're having a conversation. That means he's right. That's He's, he's not the <laughs> one who's in a little box, a little right. circular box of mirror. Yeah, no, he's, he's free because he's a man, <laughs> and he's on the right because he's correct. So they have a little kind of argument uh, because he thinks that she's been acting a little bit distant lately, and frankly, she is. Yeah. Uh, so distant, in fact, that she's stuck in a mirror world. <laughs> and at one point, they start to warm to one another because they're having a conversation, and then he reaches to kiss her, but she backs away. 
this is the scene that I kind of like learned to hate Zach. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Zach is a fucking asshole. I hate Zach. He's terrible. And he like, sucks in like, a lot of ways, but he does do something hilarious in just a little bit. <laughs> it's like I, like I don't necessarily like. I'm mean, like even like the whole part where they're arguing about whether or not she should like you know that whether or not she should drop her career for the family. You know, like even when that argument was happening, I'm like, well, you know what? They both have they both have their 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 own opinion on it and that and that's fine they're they're developing characters whatever but mm-hmm. this scene where he where he goes from like you know, uh, where, where they go from, uh, for, he goes from being like a horn dog, you know, to, 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 to just this overly sappy love talk back to trying to be a horn dog again. Oh, fuck him. Yeah. And, and he, he does some shitty stuff. Upcoming. Yeah. Though I guess he does get his just desserts. No, no, he because... totally does. And that's the only reason why it's worth it for all to put up with all this shit. But he, he gets what we're all going to get if we let these women get in it's, control. It's true. Yeah. So, uh, remember Iris, she's a kind of a goody goody girl right because her father's super religious and was an asshole she grew up very meek but now she's being introduced to a feminist element whoa so there's a punky chick she's the uh, freewheeling stevie nicks woman she's smoking pot and she's offering some to iris sharon is there too sharon's pregnant she's smoking pot too she doesn't care not concerned at all because who cares about anything women are in control now right <laughs> <laughs> so she's like they recognize that Iris is scared to try pot because she's scared that her dad will find out because her dad says drugs are bad. But there's a lot of things that the men tell us are bad. Let's hear a few. As girls, we're told don't drink, don't have sex. <laughs> you know, a guy can go out and get wasted and sleep with as many girls that'll let him. You know, somehow... That's okay. <laughs> He's a stud. But you know, if a girl goes out and does the same damn thing, people say that she's a whore. Whore, 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 whore. Yeah, we did, we did not add those echoes. This scene, no, no. because they're smoking pot, sometimes there's like trails behind people's hands. Yeah, stuff. yeah, this is great because it's like a very, it's very reefer madness. Yes, very much so. Play faster, play faster. You take one hit and the next thing you know, you're stabbing your father in the chest. <laughs> <laughs> So the things that this character, who we don't know her name, <laughs> said are absolutely the case, right? Uh, the, when it comes to sexuality, it's a double-edged sword for women because men get to do whatever they want. Women are absolutely labeled when they are promiscuous in any way. And up to this point of the movie, I was still very confused about what the message was, mm-hmm. right? Because that's a pretty confusing moment. Right. That seems to suggest, okay, yeah, that's why. that's one of the many reasons we need feminism because... To, to, to change these kind of outdated points of view. Mm-hmm. So let's see where they take it. <laughs> so anyway, Iris has some weed. Actually, they give her some... She smokes a... a she, she does the classic movie. She takes a hit and she immediately starts to cough. Uh, and then they it's, give her... It's, it's good, isn't it? <laughs> and then they give her some tea. Ooh. Some fancy witch tea. Uh-huh. And don't worry. She's taken care of then. <laughs> So, meanwhile, remember Zach, our favorite character in the movie? Yeah. Zach is laying down in bed. This sleep is fucking ridiculous. Is it? Well, I'll tell you what's ridiculous. These sounds, and then we'll explain what they are. Yeah, please. Thank you. (sighs) Is that A, Zach awaking from a very bad dream? (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, or, he, had, he had just gotten bit by a snake. Or B, Zach having the <laughs> least likely orgasm <laughs> in cinema history. What happened was uh, that dominatrix French woman from earlier, mm-hmm. she snuck into his cabin wearing a wig. Yeah, she, because, yeah. But the best part about it is, like, I don't, I don't, I mean, well, maybe I might have not been paying attention the whole time because it's an awkward scene to look at, but, um, uh, just look away whenever something's did, awkward. Did, did he look down at the head at all? I don't think he, he ever did. I don't think he did either. So, what's, the, what does it matter if she was wearing a wig yeah, or not? It's not like he even says, oh, Mary, like, right. like he's been, he's been tricked by no, her. No, no. He doesn't even give it a second thought. No, he's just a big, dumb man who's like, oh, I'm getting a blowjob. This is great. Look, it's a cliche. It really is, and it's probably a shitty one, but I will say, if I woke up and I was in the middle of a blowjob, right? Yeah. There are very few people on this planet it could be where I would be like, oh, stop, but <laughs> there are a few. Right, right, exactly. Like if it was Gilbert Gottfried. <laughs> How I, are ya? Yeah, like, <laughs> this dick tastes like dick. Yeah, I, I'd, probably, I'd probably stop it. So Zach comes all over the place, as you just heard. But, but he was, doesn't actually... Actually, he it, comes in one place. <laughs> but, but but if it was Eddie Deason, on the other hand... I'm sorry, go ahead. Uh, I wanted to hear your Eddie Deason. I, I do... Hey, guys! I, yeah, yeah, I can't do an Eddie Deason. worst Eddie Deason. I can't do uh, it. So he, Zach doesn't come all over the place. He comes into this uh, woman's mouth, who then yeah. spits it into a glass. And we get to see this, because this is a pleasant movie we're watching. Uh-huh. Nothing wrong with it. So she uh, she takes off her wig. It's a big reveal. He doesn't seem too bothered by it, and it's not brought up for quite a while. <laughs> and then we get one of the many, many lengthy voiceovers by Mary. And these are very monotone. They're very boring. They are incredibly offensive. <laughs> it's, it's one of my least favorite parts of this film. Well, let's hear this one. This is an example of one sequence in the movie, and yes, it is very lengthy, and I apologize for that, but if we're going to go through this pain, you have to join us in it. Let's hear a little bit about Mary's thoughts about sex as a weapon. It would be much later before I understood how far the Ross Prentice dogma was willing to go in its quest for female empowerment. At first, I was confused that they used sex as a weapon. Then I remembered all the times I'd used it that way myself. For a moment, except that rape, an act of exerting power rather than expressing passion, is hardwired into the male psyche. Now there's no physical feminine equivalent for rape. What? In order to keep from getting raped again, or at the very least, survive, women developed behavioral adaptations. Or, as they're more commonly known, feminine wiles. Oh. Beep, bloop, that, beep, bloop. I that doesn't seem at all like an excerpt from a shitty fucking essay that you wrote in university. Uh, that's awful. <laughs> and boring on, on top of that, which is almost as bad. I would have uh, given that essay a D. A D for dick. Yup. Which is what us men have. Because we're better. So that was a quote from Dr. Ruth. Oh, <laughs> uh, yes. By one fan. <laughs> While she's doing this vo- voiceover, we are introduced to a car full of dudes and one female. So the these guys are all drunk bro types, and they're all obviously assholes. 
Uh, and the woman suggests that they stop at a local strip club, which is the least strip club-looking place I've ever seen, to the point where one of the characters even mentions that it looks nothing like a strip club. Right. It's got a hand-painted sign on the front. As all the best <laughs> strip clubs do. That's a good point. <laughs> so they go in, and they sit down, and the show starts. And uh, we and we actually get a lot more voiceover from Mary during this uh, about bloop, how... Not bloop. What did you think about what Mary had to say in the background here? She talks about how she had a stripper uh, roommate, I guess, in, in uh, college or something, and they had an argument about objectification, about the idea that... Uh, Mary was upset because she felt like the stripper was being objectified by men, but the stripper said that she was the one who was empowered during it, that it was an empowering thing for her, so it was her actually objectifying the men. I think that is, I mean, I don't know if it's necessarily that, you know, true that, that strippers are the ones objectifying the men, but I mean, in her case, if she was empowered by the act of stripping, then it's fine. Absolutely. Yeah. It can, I, Owning your own sexuality can be a feminist act, and I'm not right. going to lecture anyone, especially women listening to this no, on no, feminism. No, no. No, I'm absolutely. not telling you, but but that of course that makes total sense. But I don't understand why she said it. Like yeah. I don't understand what the voiceover is supposed to represent here. It, well, it doesn't represent anything. It's just it's supposed to be. Is it Mary? She's 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 having her own moment of lucidity where it's like it's like oh yeah. Maybe we can, like, really, we know what it's about. It's about to, to set up the sequence where a bunch of dudes are going to get killed by strippers. Yep. That's so it. these guys, uh, the woman who brought them to the place, she starts making out with one of them, and a stripper, who, by the way, does keep all of her clothes on um, for a while, <laughs> takes the two of the guys into uh, a room, or individual rooms, a champagne room. Champagne room. And uh, they start uh, getting mad ruddy. On the floor. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah. And uh, they start uh, getting hot and heavy, and eventually the dudes get stabbed by these women, and that's what happens. As it should, because men so suck. This is their plan. They, in fact, this is their plan. They bring them to this place to basically milk semen from them and then kill them. Yeah. In fact, there's actually another step that's even more ridiculous, but we'll get to that a little bit later. Mm hmm. So, remember Judith? Judith Light from Who's the Boss? Yes, exactly. I do. Now, was she the boss or was Tony the boss? No, she was the boss. What? What she, about that old she, woman? Look, she, yeah, Mona. <laughs> <laughs> Angela. <laughs> Duh. Duh. Um, no, this is a different Judith. This is the red-haired Judith, oh. who is really our other main character aside from Mary. We're only learning about that now. Mm-hmm. So she knocks on Mary's door. Mary's actually very surprised to see her there. She's brought her some clothes, and she is offering to show her around the school. And uh, Mary agrees. She's actually really excited. She doesn't want to be any bother. But then there's a kind of a strange moment oh, where, mother. where Mary is like, okay, I just need to get some clothes on. And she closes the door. But as she does it, it looks for a moment like Judith is going to try to go into her room and that she's surprised when the door is shut in front of her. <laughs> because there's an implication. Oh, a strong implication because you see if women if they try to take back their rights from men they're going to turn lesbian like <laughs> Judith did that's what's going to happen it's true who needs men anymore I agree right I agree I'm well useless. Judith certainly agrees she's got her eye out for Mary <laughs> so um, 
Next, we see that Judith has taken Mary on a tour of the grounds And they're out by like a graveyard They call it the Graveyard of the Goddess Because there's also, of course, a Wiccan element to a lot of what they're doing And then we get a quote Oh, Jesus (laughs) (laughs) Then we get a quote from Judith That kind of summarizes the worldview of, let's just say, the director Do you know why the sexes will never be equal? Why? Why? Because neither side really wants it that way. What? My mind is blown. Holy shit. Write that in your poetry journal or something. I agree. Yes. (laughs) So, uh, because they're sharing this moment together, Mary immediately comes out with the idea that she doesn't necessarily love Zach. uh, That she did once... But uh, but she needs to be able to fight for the things she believes are right, like to, like to party, to party exactly. <laughs> and then we get a line that would feel just at home in one of these Star Wars prequels. <laughs> Do you ever wish you could just stop feeling? I don't think that's a choice we have. Mm. Oh, Anakin. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and then Judith leans in and she kisses. Mary Yeah But Mary doesn't respond like she expects her to respond And Judith feels embarrassed And she runs away These names by the way Judith and Beth uh, And Mary Very biblical style names because... I, was, I was really surprised that like There wasn't a Lilith in this Yeah right Yeah. So <clears throat> remember Beth Beth is the only level headed one here because she she thinks she, you know she's a feminist but she doesn't want to go too far with it. She's quite literally the only character in this film that I liked. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, even though she is just spouting the rhetoric of the fucking director. And that's but, fine. So, that's fine. That, but but at least at least it seems like they give a shit about her. So she's and she hates everybody, which I can relate to. Which is probably why I like her so much. Mhm. So she's walking around the campus herself just openly Despising everything she sees And everyone she sees And she runs into that tall blowjob dominatrix And Judith <laughs> I believe they're called blowjobinatrixes Oh that's of course yeah. Yeah. <laughs> By the Wachowskis um, and <laughs> So uh, Judith shows up And she's, she's, she's like very kind She's like can we start again <laughs> I'm just thinking of, uh, of Blowjobinatrix reloaded <laughs> That's what Zach did a little earlier. Oh, God. All right. So so Judith is really nice. She's like, you know, can we start again? I think we got off on the wrong foot. And Beth basically tells her to go fuck herself. And Beth is under the impression that they're trying to brainwash Mary. You know, for a second here, I thought they were trying to tell us that there were multiple Judiths. Yes, because she's all over the place, right? She was upset just a moment ago. Yeah, she was, like, off in the woods two seconds ago, all upset, and now she's back on campus. Like, it would have been a greater twist to me if to find out that they were, like, you know, clones or something. Well, that's actually a really interesting point that you bring up, Mo. Good job. (laughs) I'm accidentally bringing up good points. Part of the concept of this movie seems to be un- Anti-Stepford Wives, right? Because the Stepford Wives, the whole idea of that is that these women are, um, they're, they're, they've become so subjugated to men that they're almost robotic. Yeah. And it came at a very important time in the 70s, and it, you know, it, it, it's obviously a very symbolic movie. This movie is the other way around, you see. Yeah. In this movie, they've become too powerful. 
They need to be taken down a peg. A peg or two, because otherwise they'll t- show up. <laughs> they'll show up. Otherwise, they'll turn out just like Judith. What? They'll go full lesbian, and they won't need any men around to show them how to do things. Exactly. So Beth is pissed at uh, everybody, and but especially Judith. And Judith says, girls who go against the grain don't last here very long. Which is a fucking weird thing to say, because they're not supposed to be there long. Because this isn't fucking the yeah. middle of the desert that they are. <laughs> well, even more so on top of that, they're, they're not, like, enrolling. Right, of course. Yeah. They're only supposed to be there until they can get the fuck away from there. Yeah. So the idea of it taking longer than, say, a day in 2010, or even 2008, is unreasonable. Yep. It's like no one has a phone in that entire campus. They don't have a phone that works. Right? How do they communicate with anybody? Yeah, right. I think okay. I smell some fuckery afoot. There is some fuckery, which we'll get to. <laughs> but speaking of fuckery, it's Zach. <laughs> and Zach is playing b-ball by himself. Yeah. Outside of the school and a couple of girls who were up to no good. <laughs> I was, wait- I was waiting for that. <laughs> no, it's not a couple of girls. It's just one. It's Beth. She comes to visit Zach because she's really concerned about who she calls the Bizarro Stepford Wives. Remember what I just said a second ago? Mm-hmm. That's what she says. Yeah. <laughs> and that then leads to my favorite moment in this entire movie. This is definitely the best moment in the entire film. Because she's being, like, she's concerned. She wants him to show some emotion about what's going on. So she goes, there's some serious weirdness going on here. And his response is to immediately go from playing basketball to throwing the basketball across the court. <laughs> and he goes, and what do you want me to do about it, huh? <laughs> I love that you're, you're telling everybody what he says when we have the audio clip. They need to know that he throws the basketball. Yeah. That is the most important part. All right, so we can, we can tell them when he throws the basketball. All right, here we go. Fortune. Don't pull your Bethis freaking out shit on me, Zach. There is what? some serious weirdness going on here. Toss. What do you want me to do about it, huh? I suggest the catch in a train. I might have suggested another Holocaust as far as Barry was concerned. Whoa. Yeah, I don't, like, I know what he said there because I listened to it five times <laughs> and I have an audio clip. But if you were watching it for the first time, yeah, good luck. <laughs> Zach is a bit of a mumble mouth, even more than me, Doug Tilly. And way more than me, Mo Porn. Mo Porn. But he throws that basketball. The great thing about it is that there's like a little pause where he takes the basketball, picks it up in his hand, and throws it. So it's like the most empty of gestures. And I love how in the second half of that clip where he's mumbling through his line, you can hear it bouncing in the background. The really fucked up thing here is, remember, they've only been there for a day. Not even, not really. Even, like, not even. Not, they've been there for a few hours. Yeah, so like an overnight is where they've been. Mm-hmm. And so she's scared. And says to Zach, Beth does, that they should leave. They should just leave Mary to the witches and leave. <laughs> That's what she says. Yeah. And she says she's scared. And Zach is like, what is your problem? And then he hugs her because he's a strong man. And that's what, str- that's what these women don't have. Someone to hug them when it's their time of the month. <laughs> yeah, because right? the problem is they, they're clearly all on synced cycles. So that's, that's why they're upset all at the same time at it's men. It's true. Give him a couple weeks and a little chocolate. You know what I'm saying? Oh, I do. Oh, maybe a, maybe a few flowers, and they'll be they'll be purring like kittens. Yep. We know women. <laughs> so anyway, <laughs> Beth and Zach have a little hug, and but Mary pops out of literally nowhere. What? To, she's watching them, 
And because women don't wait to listen to points of view or explanations of what's going on, she just and any sign of affection, a hug especially, is absolutely tantamount to cheating. This, this she is, runs this off. This is a great moment too because the way the camera, the way it's framed, like we would have seen her walk in of from either, from either direction or hear her. Yeah. She might have got hit by that fucking basketball that Zach threw. <laughs> So this is the Frasier moment, even though it doesn't really pay off. What? Well, well, yeah, it's a, right. It's like a misunderstanding that could easily have been cleared up with one conversation. Yeah, it's like toss salad or scrambled eggs. That's exactly all over their faces. Oh, Jesus Christ! <laughs> so, so Beth has made her mind up. She's leaving. But by the way, this is a horror movie. Have you noticed that no one has died yet? <laughs> yeah. I only bring this up because someone's about to die. Guess who? I think you'll be unpleasantly surprised. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, it's it's so weird too because I think we're about like thirty five minutes into the film or so by this point, and like like you're right, nobody had been killed yet. So it actually almost kind of makes this death that much more shocking when it finally That's, happens. That is true, you know. And it's and it's a pretty good like you know it's a pretty good death scene. I mean, I, I like the, you know they well let's let's talk about it. So. <laughs> Um, let's let's not analyze it any yeah, further. Yeah, yeah, so well, Beth goes to get her shit and leave. And if but, if she, but big but huh. as she's doing it, she finds a scrapbook for some reason. Yeah, why? I guess it's I, I guess it's been left there on purpose. Probably to like, you know, draw her in and, and, and make her lose her focus. This is a dumb plan. So the scrapbook is full of old newspaper clippings which suggest that uh a lot of women in that area, I guess, have been uh, at one point. Well, anyway, that women at one point were being assaulted and sexually and physically, uh, but then men started disappearing. Yeah. And there's also articles about the school. And when you put it all together, it seems like the women from this school are murdering men to fuel. So I don't know how they get their funding. Actually, we find out <laughs> a little bit later. So all the mis- we see a fucking dumb montage of like women being murdered and nothing being done about it. And well, they're we- clearly funded by Big Menstrual. That's that's right, that's right. I think we just call it Menstra. <laughs> Menstra. That's for so, really smart women on their periods. So as Beth is piecing all of this together, that's just what they wanted her to do because uh, she gets really into it, and then that dominatrix woman she comes up behind her with a big knife and slices her throat. Yeah, who we still haven't learned her name yet. Eh, we'll get to it. She's the tall French dominatrix. We also, I mean, they, this was a really interesting plan of theirs. One, I actually, I actually really like the fact that you haven't given her name yet because normally you give it away right at the beginning, like when when they start talking about the character, and you'll just say who we later discover is named. But the fact that we have to actually like go through the movie, you know, like bit by bit until she's finally introduced. <laughs> Usually what I do is when I find out a name, even if it's late in the movie, I go back through my notes and add the name in. And I right. do have her name a little bit later, yeah. but fuck this movie. No, exactly. Fuck it. No, they need to know. The, the, the audience needs to know. So their plan was that Beth for sure was going to be so intrigued by this book that she was going to like, get nose deep in it so she could have her throat slit. And that this whole process would be so quiet that nobody could possibly be alerted in this school that it's happening. Oh, and speaking of mumble mouths, 
The French mm-hmm. woman, after she slices Beth's throat, says something. I don't know what she says. And I have no fucking clue what it is. There's a few moments in this movie where actually the dialogue is drowned out by music as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, so I can't help you there, unfortunately. No. Uh, maybe if one of our listeners, uh, fans of Women's Studies, know what she said, email us in and we'll I, read I it know, and I forget it by the next episode. Yeah, I know that she says au revoir, you know. Au revoir, that's French. But she says something after that, too. Mm-hmm. And I don't. Hey, and that just mumbles it. Hey Mo, remember Iris? Um, no. Hmm. Iris was that girl. <laughs> oh, the peer pressure one. Yeah, I remember the that. peer pressure one. Now Iris is still in the same fucking room she was in before, even though it's the next day. Well, you know, she likes to sit in rooms. It's 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 you know, it's an awkward quirk, but it's hers. The idea is that they've been spending all night brainwashing her, and she must be very open to the idea because she's she's gone in, all in. Her brain is very clean at this point. Very clean. So what she's decided to do is to take the check that she was going to give the chaplain of the school and to give it to Judith instead. Now, that doesn't quite make sense in the world that you and I live in. <laughs> yeah, because if it's, a, if it's a check, yes, it's already written out to somebody. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> And maybe when her father discovers that, say, that check has not gone to where it's supposed to, he'd be upset. But we'll, see, we'll, we'll work out that little detail in just a little bit. So in this kind of circle of trust, and I'm going to talk to you about something in a second, Mo, that is going to be unpleasant, so prepare yourself. Mm-mm. They have a moment of trust where Iris talks about her father and about how her father rapes her mother. And like they're married, of course, but it's still rape. Her mother is obviously very traumatized. This is a horrible situation. We got a sense of it earlier just from the, the visuals, but this now it's made explicit. Then something happens mm-hmm. where the women who have, of this school, they also get her to remember that her, her father raped her as well. But see, that's that's the funny thing is it didn't sound to me at all like they were getting her to remember that. No, it, it doesn't come off that way. No, it definitely comes off like they're implanting the idea in exactly. her head. Yeah, which yeah. is the moment where I wanted to tear my computer apart. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that that infuriated me too. I'm just like, you know what? I I have to fucking uh, just buckle down and get through this pile of shit and just. Be fucking done with it. By the way, my notes at this point, too, also say I fucking hate this movie. So that's what's happening with feminism, folks. All of those, all those times that women accuse their parents of molesting them. Isn't that a that's movie? Just, <laughs> that's, just, that's just a feminist friend of theirs who's implanted that thought into their mind. They're just making it up. You can't trust it. That's what this fucking shitty movie is saying. Uh, this is what this yeah. fucking horse shit that Paul Busetti... Made us watch. God damn you, Paul Bassetti. Look, that part of Friend the movie. Of the show my ass. <laughs> that part of the movie could be interpreted that they're actually just getting her to remember something that actually happened to her, and it's very traumatic, and they're kind of helping it out. But I'll, I did not interpret it that way. No, it didn't come off that way. It, and I, I believe it's meant to not come off that way. Yeah. So fuck this movie. Yep. Oh, God. Oh, Mo. (laughs) All right, I need to to unconsciously... What's the expression? Decompress. Let's uh, let's decompress. Let's take a deep breath. Let's take a moment. Let's center ourselves. In through the nose, out through the mouth. Breathe in the good, push out the bad. Very good. Okay, back to Mary. We'll do a couple of yoga poses. 
Back to Mary knocking on Zack's cabin door. Now, after that incident earlier, Zack did not seek out Mary to have a conversation. He had to wait for Mary to come to him because yeah. Zack is a fucking asshole. Yep. Now, again, Mary jumped the gun. She was being unreasonable, but, you know, they're a couple, so do something about it. Yeah, don't be. So, this is the first time she's seen his cabin, and it's really nice. It is really nice. It's way nicer than any of the rooms they have in the fucking school. Yeah, I'd much rather be in that cabin. Yeah, and they have a really deep, unfortunate conversation that starts with her asking, Why do you love me? <laughs> and they don't talk about the hug at all. He, he, says, he says that he likes who he is when he's around her, and he likes the person she makes him want to be. And her response to that is, That's about you, not me. Which, honestly, is accurately reflecting the kind of arguments I get into with my wife. But is horseshit. <laughs> it makes her look awful and makes him look kind of awful. I, uh, uh, yeah, no, they really, really do. I, I, I fucking, I hate Zach so much. But there, but there's a great moment here, and it's even, and it's made even better by how my notes auto-corrected something I had written. Um, you know, I, I so I write. They kind of start to get a little sweet, but then, but in my notes it says, but the pregger. Uh, bursts mm-hmm. in to ask for help, and it auto-corrected it to prejudger. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was prejudging her as she wrote in. Yes, so as you just uh, suggested, Sharon bursts in Sharon. right in the middle of their their conversation, and she uh, she's super pregnant. In fact, she's about to have her kid, but she's terrified because she says if they try to go to a hospital, someone's going to try to kill her baby. And you know they what the want. F- and you know what the funny thing is, is that uh, I was certain that um, maybe this is just me being cynical, or maybe the mm-hmm. you know the the, the film just uh, uh, made me that way. But uh, but I was certain that this was some a, a ploy of some kind. Yes, and I think that would be a reasonable thing to think. <laughs> yeah. But but it's not. It's not. She she. What happens is they want her baby to die because it's a boy, right? Yeah, because because boys are the enemy. Boys. Don't cry. Good heavens. So Mary, who doesn't know what the fuck Beth, uh, sorry, what Sharon is talking about, she runs off to get Beth because Beth is still her closest friend. But when she goes to Beth's room, it's empty. And in fact, she can't find anybody on the entire campus, even though it's a fucking campus. Yeah, and and we we learn not too far in the distant future in this film that there are other people That's on this right. campus. That's right. It's supposed so to fa- be a campus. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> now, the main core of people, they are somewhere. They're driving somewhere, but we don't know where at the moment, but we'll find out in just a, fa- a second. So what happens now is that we cut back and forth between two pieces of action. One, Zach, Zach, who is a urologist and does not have any experience delivering babies, but is still a medical professional. Yeah, but He's a vagina not- is just an inverted penis. That's exactly right, which he discovers is absolutely the case. So <laughs> he's... In the cabin with Mary, helping Sharon deliver her boy baby. The rest of the women have all driven to Iris's house. Okay, so, yeah. so they're going to drive to Iris's house and kill her father. That's their plan. All the women are outside, uh, outside of Iris's home, and uh, this is what Judith says. Remember, Iris, always make an entrance. No. Okay. Uh, They all have curved knives. They don't have guns. They just have a bunch of knives for some fucking reason. And uh, unfortunate for 
the friends of Iris's father, they've all decided to come visit that night. <laughs> the, the house itself, which is a very nice looking house, by the way. Yeah, it's nice. Nice. It's full of men, which, which let's face it, is the worst. <laughs> Reminds me of my job. <laughs> so all the women come in And the father and his friends are all kind of shocked for a second And he goes You're in a lot of trouble young lady And she goes from where I'm standing You're the one in trouble And then they all start uh, like, like kind of capturing the men at first right. And while that happens The Stevie Nicks gal She goes up to visit the mother And this, this part is so fucked up as well Oh my god the message this part sends Yeah you know, and the funny thing is that I almost kind of liked this part because, I mean, not for the message, but because, <laughs> you know, it's like the mother who is clearly like tormented and sure. and, and wants nothing more than, than to be out of the whole thing. She like, you know, almost kind of like war, well, not kind of, she absolutely does like warmly accept, you know, the death that is coming. <laughs> but the but, girl, but, before... but the message is, is pretty, pretty fucked. Because she, she says to the mother, she goes to visit her in the room and she she's like... Uh, that they're going to take care of Iris And that they won't allow her to break like you did And then The mother smiles As she gets stabbed to death Yeah and she says something like oh thank god Or something like that Right Yeah. Right. So the idea is that if you are an abused woman It's because you broke And allowed it to happen Right and you might as well just die And you might as well just die because there's no coming back from that no, you no. You're like at least that's the perspective of the feminist, yeah. and obviously the apparently the abused person themselves, since she welcomes it. Yeah, this movie was written by a man. <laughs> hey, this look, movie was written by a fucking man. Look, at least at least the man had the wherewithal to have one of the guys piss himself. Yes. Very good. That's true. One of the friends of the father does piss himself out of fear. Uh, and it's a good thing that he does because they all get killed. All of those men get killed, except for Iris's father. Now, I thought at this point that they, they would hold up Iris's father and get him to admit that he molested her. Yeah, but that's like proof and like, you know, we don't need – this isn't the U.S. government. You know, we don't – like the judicial system. We don't need any kind of burden of proof. This is 2015, and I'm an angry woman. I don't need proof. I just exactly. need anger. It's true. So that's not what happens. They surround Iris, who hasn't killed anybody yet. They, she has a knife in her hand. They're holding her father up. They're yelling, do it, do it, do it. And her father, who for some reason – I was reading some reviews about this movie, and I'll get to that once we're done. But one of the reviews for some reason singled out the father's performance as being good – when he is literally the worst fucking guy in this entire... Well, he's, not this guy. He's awful. He's awful. And in fact, you can only get a little sense of how awful in this little sound clip as they pressure her to stab her father. Google gobble. Google gobble. Oh, God. So you can hear... Oh, God. Please help me. Oh, God. Please, please help me. <laughs> so anyway, she stabs him. Because he's a piece of shit And honestly he probably did deserve to die And they didn't need to have that molestation angle at all But uh, the way that this whole scene is presented Is horseshit and awful yep. <sighs> So that happens And oh by the way 
stabbing, taking someone out of this world happens just as someone's being brought into it. Whoa. Zach manages, you know, for someone who doesn't have a lot of experience, he managed to deliver a perfectly clean baby boy <laughs> with no blood or anything. He, he delivered a perfectly clean three-month-old. I don't even think they needed a fucking towel. I mean, there's like no blood or uh, weird goo all over the place. I know that's how it's supposed to work. Yeah, no, that's definitely what it looks like. It's pretty gross. So, uh, back at the house, Iris breaks down screaming after stabbing her father. It was very traumatic. It's her little breakthrough. Sharon is now um, laying with the baby. Zach has gone off somewhere. Her and Mary are having a little moment. And okay. uh, and in my uh, my my current quest to keep everybody up to date with how many times in my notes I say this movie is awful, uh, it's at this point where I say this movie straight up sucks. <laughs> so... So they have a little heart-to-heart for a moment where Sharon sort of lets Mary know about some of the evil shit that's going on. Uh, Or at least intimates the idea that that her baby would not be safe here. Yeah. So while they're talking, they can hear some of the women outside calling for Sharon. Uh, So Mary runs out to get them. And while she does that, Mary goes out and talks to Judith and tells her that, uh, that Sharon has had the baby. They're walking outside because, of course, they're not supposed to have a car. Um, Mary is back in the cabin trying to smother her baby to death. Yeah, I didn't get that. I mean, like, I understand, like, like that it's better to do it yourself than to let somebody else do it, I suppose. But, but at the same time, like, why? I mean, I don't know. And, she, and here, that... here's, here's the other problem I have, too. And maybe it's just because I know a little something about pregnant women because I've been, you know, through it twice. Not pregnant myself, obviously, but, you oh, know, okay. like, like more. I have two children. But, you know, you, you can't just get up and start walking around <laughs> and, and moving this like the second you have a child. Well, maybe that's what her thing was. Maybe that's why she felt like she had to smother the baby. Talk about postpartum depression. Yeah, right. Um but uh, because she felt like she couldn't help rescue it. But the fucked up thing was, if she was just to say, I'm going to stay here with Zach and Mary and allow them to help me take care of this child, then they wouldn't have had any right to take the child away from her. Right. But because she tries to smother the baby, it gives them the perfect excuse to take the kid away from her. Yeah, exactly. Do you, do you think that Zach and Mary made a porno? Hmm. Sorry, I couldn't help myself. Yes, you could. <laughs> you just didn't. Uh, well, yeah. Obviously. You're like all men. You just can't help yourself. That's true. It's probably why I rape so much. <laughs> Fucking. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. So Zach immediately gives the baby to Judith, the one person of above all that Sharon does not want the baby given to. Uh, and they say something like they knew that she was going through some depression, but that she they didn't know that she'd try something like this because they're still trying to play that they're good people. Yeah, they're pretending. Then we get a voiceover of Mary saying, if chaos precedes transformation, what comes after? Horf! Chaos reigns. <laughs> uh, anyway. <laughs> so remember Mary, by the way, the main character of this movie who's just been terrible the whole goddamn time? She wakes up suddenly. And because she has morning sickness. Now, she is pregnant. We know that. She is the least pregnant-looking person on the entire planet. Yeah. Like, of course, you know, you get morning sickness before you start to show. But, you know, the, the, the fact that she's pregnant is easy to forget because she's never shown doing anything that related to the fact that she's pregnant. Yeah, and um, 
the yeah yeah she, yeah exactly never mind you you, <laughs> made, you you actually made the exact point i was gonna make and now i feel stupid go ahead so mary returns to her room and iris is there and iris is now a changed woman in yep. fact she's decided that instead of going to the school in washington she was going to go to she's actually going to stay at the academy and uh, she would like for Mary, who, again, was supposed to be already out of this place, she would like for her to stay another night and witness the ceremony that they're going to have for her, like an induction ceremony. Or I should say, sorry? Go ahead. You were going to say. Yeah, that she's really going to have an initiation ceremony. Yeah, it's, that's too, a, it's too bad that Iris couldn't have said that. That's right. <laughs> because instead of saying the initiation into the sisterhood, she says this. They're having a ceremony for me tonight. My initiation into the sisterhood. <laughs> Let's hear that again. <laughs> Iris, lay off the They're booze. having a ceremony for me tonight. My initiation into the sisterhood. Cut, print, perfect. <laughs> print it. <laughs> it's perfect. We don't need to take two. I know how the mind of a filmmaker works sometimes. And I guarantee you... <laughs> There was at least one person who said, oh, it's more natural for her to fuck it up, right? It, it feels more real that way, so we'll just leave it in. <laughs> yeah, that, that was not a good idea, by the way. My note right before that moment in the movie was, you know, the, the actress who plays Iris is, is surprisingly good, playing this role of kind of an innocent, and then she fucks up her next line. <laughs> you know, uh, do you know that my note directly after that quote is, fuck, I hate this movie. <laughs> So Mary is talking to Judith. Mary has not decided to stay for another night yet. She's talking to Judith outside. They're actually talking about Sharon because Mary is concerned about her since she did try to kill her own kid. Um, and this is the conversation where Mary actually tells <laughs> Judith that she's pregnant. Whoa. And uh, there's a moment where Judith goes, a daughter is the goddess's greatest gift. And Mary goes, and a son? And she's like, uh, uh sure. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> nothing, nothing suspicious about that. <laughs> uh, they also have a little talk about the kiss. Remember the kiss, the uh, the time when Judith tried to kiss Mary, mm -hmm. and Mary says that she didn't mind. In fact, then Judith immediately asks Mary to stay for one more night because you see, all women they just need a little nudge, right, to be full blown lesbian. Well, I know I needed a little nudge. I'm of the belief that sexuality is a fluid. That we are all a little gay. I honestly believe that. Yeah, I mean, uh, like my love of Eddie Deason. Like my love of Michael Fassbender. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I have to admit, you got me beat on that one. But... <laughs> uh, and my love of you, of course. Which is, but... yeah, which is uh, my, a lot closer to my love of John Waters. But yeah. I... Right, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I will say that the suggestion that this movie makes that all women just need to be kissed by another woman in order to awaken that within themselves is offensive. Yeah. You know, and the funny thing is, is that this is, this is actually the same argument that um, the guys at my job use on me. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, like I hear the argument all the time. Well, you need to try it before, before you can decide if you That's don't like right. it or not. And I, my response to that is always, well, I've never tried mayonnaise, but I know I don't fucking like it. Well, maybe if you had a really good sandwich, <laughs> I guess <laughs> then you, then you'd be on your knees for Miracle Whip. Uh -huh. But uh, <laughs> so let's reiterate to those who have not listened to an episode of No Budget Nightmares before, and boy, we're sorry that this is your first episode. Um, 
that Mo works in a, a predominantly male-centered sex shop. I, I work in a sex shop whose main clientele is our homosexual men. Yes. Right. That's yeah. right. So um, there's the ceremony. It's time for Iris's initiation. <laughs> in- initiation. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a lot of robes and flowers And as many extra women as they could get So like three There's <laughs> really not a lot And they have a ceremony where they're renouncing The dogma of patriarchy Oh look my notes here say who the hell are all these other women <laughs> <laughs> And they're kind of like They're they're tattooing Something on Iris's back But they're In not fact, though they're not They're just sort of slicing it into her skin Yeah exactly so it, yeah So but this is the uh, Strongest indication we've gotten that all of These women have the same mark on them And it's a way to recognize them uh, And in fact later we discover I'm just jumping ahead a little that there are people all over the world with this mark. Yeah, and actually, the only time you really uh, like just overtly see it is with the the, the hippy dippy chick, the like the the pot smoker chick, right? Because, because she has it very visibly on her arm, right? But the suggestion is that they all have it, right? You know, it's like armpit hair for women. Ooh. It's a mark that shows that they're feminists. Ah, so we have to be scared of them. But Any I, body here at all, in fact. I was going to say, I'm actually okay with armpit hair and women. Me too. Or, I, I live with it every single day. I'm fine <laughs> with it. Because you know why, Mo? I didn't make this fucking movie. Yeah, well. I didn't make this shitty fucking movie. I didn't make their bodies. I did. No. Oh. It was in my own, it came from my rib. Oh, thanks, Adam. I ripped it out of my fucking chest. <laughs> is that where my rib is? And I threw it on the ground and up popped a woman. <laughs> is that where my rib is? <laughs> Well, I'm not a doctor. <laughs> what do, who do I look like, Zach? Anyway. <laughs> so in the middle of this ceremony, guess who shows up? Sharon. Sharon shows up. Remember what you said before about someone who recently gave birth probably wouldn't be up walking around? Well, Sharon is tougher than you, and you're the people that you've witnessed give birth. <laughs> look, I don't I don't have a particularly, uh, you know, uh, muscular perineum wall, so... Or floor. Floor, yeah. Perineum floor. Yeah. I think that's With the track term. lighting. Uh, so, so Sharon shows up. <laughs> track lighting. <laughs> and, uh, and she's got a knife and she's pissed off. Because what's happening is that Mary and Judith are super close. In fact, they're pretty much making out at this point. Yeah. I mean, they're, it's Judith is caressing her face. They're, they're going to he- go on head first into that. But, uh, but then Sharon shows up and says something particularly nasty. Ooh. Don't be too flattered, Mary. <clears throat> Judith likes anyone who's never eaten pussy before. Whoa. What did she say? <laughs> she said, uh, don't be too flattered, Mary. Judith likes anyone who hasn't eaten pussy before. Ah. Uh. Yeah. See, that's actually a good uh, a good notice of um, the actual line versus the lines that you write in your notes. No, be- actually, th- that line you read was what I have in my notes, but it's not what she said. That's what I said. Oh, I see. Yeah. Oh, you mean me, how I correct how they say things? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, what can I say? <laughs> so Sharon is super pissed. Uh, she says that everything about this is a farce, and when... She uh, she wants to convince Mary that something has happened to the baby, mm-hmm. and she takes like a like some kind of container, and she says, "Want to hold him?" And she pours out blood on her hand. Well, this is this is the container that they just poured 
into exactly. a glass and made Iris drink. It's part it's part of the ceremony. Yeah. And then she goes, Men are the enemy, remember? A little boy would just grow up to be another one of the enemy. And then Mary immediately believes her. <laughs> well she's right. She starts she starts of course she is, but but yeah. Mary seems to be you know, she's been very one sided in her opinion so far. She goes, Where is the baby? Tell me. And then this is the big switcheroo moment where Judith finally admits that something's going on. She says they don't stay innocent for long. And at that point, Sharon tries to stab Judith, but somehow fails. <laughs> I don't know how you can miss when you have a knife coming right at a person like that, but she must have, gone to, she must have watched one of those Bass Rootin' tapes where they show you how to... <laughs> and she bangs her head. Uh, and then uh, the, they, uh, they put Sharon on the ground, and right in front of Mary's face, they slit Sharon's throat. Which is probably good because anybody who, you know, uh, goes against the grain doesn't usually last long there. Mm-hmm. And she goes, a war is coming, Mary. We all need to choose sides. Sharon chose hers. What side will you choose? There's a war happening for us, Mo. The women are rising up against us. Good. Maybe we should switch it around on them. Who needs women? Us guys can get along pretty well. We can have a man cave. That's just our whole house. <laughs> well, I mean, per, you know, I mean, like the way the sex toy industry is going, we really don't need them. That's right. And also, we'll be living in VR in a couple of years, right? That's true. Oh, God, I hope so. Oh, man. Anyway, Mary, who's very freaked out by all this, and why not? She runs off into the darkness, and she will in this for the rest of the running time of this movie, she will be running off over and over again. <laughs> so the first thing she does is she does what a woman should do in this situation. She goes to find her man. Yeah. But he's asleep. And, uh, and typical she runs man. in. Typical man. So she runs in and tries to get him to, to run off with her, basically. And in fact, he tries to pack and she says there's no time. And there really is no time because as soon as they get outside, the women are already there circling her. Zach wants to know what the fuck is going on. And they say, this is such a strange sequence too. So they come up to him and say that he's the perfect man, genetically speaking, even though look at this fucking dude. He's um, absolutely not. What's that? <laughs> what do you mean? Are you judging him? Yeah. Anyway. So then we discover that the dominatrix, her name is Diane. <laughs> yeah, we're an hour into the movie now, by the way. Here's a little ditty about Zach and Diane. Oh. <laughs> so Zach's here sucking down chili dogs. <laughs> Outside the Tasty Freeze. <laughs> so the reason that she blew him earlier was to get a sample of his semen so they could test it in their lab. Well, that makes sense. Because they wanted to make sure that nothing nasty was going to pop up because they're going to use his semen for making more female babies and killing all the boy babies. That's, a that's, really, that's really poor phrasing right there because what? something nasty already did pop up. And out. Oh, what? And in <laughs> Diane's mouth. So we discover here that Zach, he's shooting blanks. That's what came up in those tests. Been there, done that. And if you are shooting blanks, then you're no longer a man, and they have no need for you. But wait, this mm-hmm. this brings up a conundrum. Wait, what do you mean? If Zach, what, is, whatever do you if, mean? If Zach is shooting blanks, huh? And Mary's pregnant. Wait, what? 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 <laughs> it's funny that we're like we're we're being like joking about putting two and two together. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but I legit wasn't thinking of it when they say it in the entire movie. <laughs> But yes, Mary is pregnant. How did that happen? Honestly, we never discovered. No. 
No, uh, there's be- just implication of cheating, and then it's just dropped. Yeah, and and may- maybe maybe there wasn't any cheating. Remember, her name is Mary. Ooh, ooh, yeah, but his name's Zach, not Joseph. <laughs> yeah, well, he wasn't much help here. Anyway, That's, neither was Joseph. His response could only be called <laughs> excessive. I would say. In fact, I shouldn't laugh because he he. He was already been an asshole up to this point, but this is his response to hearing this news. You fucking whore! <laughs> yes, that's Zach hitting Mary across the face in front of all these other women. Now, remember that they almost broke up, like, the day before. Yeah. And <sighs> he didn't even know she was pregnant until three seconds ago. Yeah. I understand that this would be a traumatic experience. Obviously, their relationship, there's a lot that they're going to have to talk about and work through. However, uh, well, I mean, there's no excuse for ever hitting a woman. I don't think, I'm not white knighting anybody or myself here. I just think <laughs> that's a pretty clear thing that we can all say. Let's yeah. just make that, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go out on a limb here and say, don't hit women. I'll say that with the caveat of unless they really deserve it. Unless you're in, a, you mean if you're, if you're in the octagon? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Unless you're, unless you're being paid for, it, and that's a different story. Like, um, gonna be some snips in this part of the conversation. I make, I make jokes. I make jokes. <laughs> so anyway, they, uh, they, Judith has seen this as an opportunity to get back on Mary's good side, so she comforts her and caresses her you while know, they. You know what? I'm, I'm gonna make one more addendum to that. It, okay. Just so that it, it it works a little bit better in my brain, in like because I don't I don't like the phrase you should never hit a woman. I I think it should be you should never hit anyone. Yeah, but think about this. What? <laughs> I'm just coming up with a scenario. All right, come up with a scenario. Okay. I'm asleep on a bench. Yeah. Right. Tell me more. And I wake up to find someone is in front of me hammering down with their fists on my face, right? Mm-hmm. And I decide I'm going to try to block it, right? But also I have a really great opportunity to stop this whole onslaught by just punching back in the face. Right. Right? That's self-defense. No, it absolutely is. But if everybody had the mindset of you shouldn't hit anybody, then the person who was hitting you in the first place wouldn't have been hitting you. Oh, that person's crazy. Oh, well, okay, fine. <laughs> I'll cut all that out. (laughs) (laughs) This is going to be a highly edited fucking episode. So Zach Zach gets stabbed in the neck with like a a pin or a needle or something. And then a little bit later, he wakes up and he's in a hospital bed. Mary was also stabbed with a needle. Oh, that's right. That's right. So she's, she's being comforted by Judith. Zach's waking up tied to a hospital bed. Diane, the dominatrix, remember her name is Diane, Mm -hmm. she's there now, and for the first time she's speaking English. She mentions that she prefers to speak French because it's a more, I guess, appealing and attractive language or something. Well, it's a romance language. It makes sense. It is. And this is a very romantic scene. Not like like this ugly English that we speak. So she tells a little story about how she got to where she was. In fact, she was going to be a surgeon. She was going to be a doctor, just like Zach, uh, but she was uh, three points short of passing her medical board, but the head surgeon said she would help her. He would, sorry, help her get her license if she fucked him. Yeah, and she did, but didn't get the license. Fuck a duck. So now all men must pay. I, you know what? She has a good point. I'd be pissed. I'd be super fucking pissed about that. Yeah. Well, she can't 
castrate that guy. <laughs> so <laughs> instead, <laughs> she's going to do something to Zach. Now, they were originally were just going to use him to propagate the species, but because he hit Mary, they're uh, they're going to do this. I love I love Usually, the fact that. Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Put you out, but you hit Mary, and that's a big no-no. So you get to be conscious. You get to watch while I cut your cock off. Ooh. That delivery is something else. <laughs> uh, it's pretty bad. No, uh, what I was going to say is, the, like, I love the fact that the whole time she's, like, giving this speech, she's got this really fucking gnarly-looking knife. Yes, <laughs> right, right. It's like one of those ones with, like, the with like the uh, brass knuckle grip that's got the spikes running down in it. <laughs> you know, your regular medical equipment. Yeah, you know, dead ringers. normal surgical <laughs> tools. So we do see Zach scream, and we do see her grab something and put it somewhere, but we don't ever see him getting castrated. Thank goodness. Well, well I mean, that's, that's another thing about this movie. Most of the violence is pretty light in the blood department. It's very tame. It's a very tame movie yeah. because it's about ideas. It's not about gore. What, are you a kid? You got you to have gore in your movies and nudity? This is 2008. And yeah, in well, 2008... Yeah, I'm sorry. In 2008, uh, the Punisher Warzone came out and Rambo 4. So, yes. Can we do, do Punisher Warzone on the next episode? Oh, God, can we? <laughs> so, that's what's happening with Zach. Meanwhile, Mary, she wakes up in the cabin and she finds a piece of paper on the floor which reveals that... Uh, an actual, Actually, it's a clip from a newspaper. Uh, no, actually, it's, it's an entire newspaper. It's an entire newspaper, sorry. Yeah. That s- reveals that Iris killed her family. Uh, Iris killed her own family, uh, and so so she does it actually know, say that she killed her family, or does it, or does it just say that they found the family dead? They found the family dead, yeah. and she infers that it was Iris and the rest of them who did it. Right. So then she immediately tries to escape and succeeds. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, she just pries open a window and gets out. So I guess I don't know what their plan was for her, but uh, obviously they would think that reading that newspaper would make her rather upset. But I guess they just didn't give a shit. And there, there's, so, there's this great, uh, well, I don't want to say great because none of them are, but there's this uh, voiceover bit that goes on here where she talks about, like, making plans and being cunning and, like, all this other stupid shit. That's, like, it's just, it, it, I mean, it's I'm, horrible. It's really terrible. And it then, culminates in this moment where she talks about how most people don't find the strength in themselves and just hope for the best and they become a victim of their own decision. And then she says out loud, as a response to her own thoughts, I will not be a victim because being a victim involves <laughs> involves allowing yourself to join those who want the best for your gender. Yeah, and uh, my notes at this point say this movie sucks. Yeah, this movie sucks. Yeah. So she does what anyone would do in this circumstance. First, she finds her disassembled <laughs> car, right? And she <laughs> this is this is shocking to her that they've they've taken her car apart that it was that, all a big that, what she does in response to this whole thing is shocking <laughs> to me. <laughs> she Hey, remember in the first 5 minutes of the movie where she plays tennis? Yep. Apparently, that is the one thing that defines her as a character yeah. because she strips off of her clothes and puts on a tennis outfit and of picks all things. up a Tennis racket. She's got an entire. She's got an entire pack full of clothes that she could put on, and she puts on her tennis skirt and grabs her racket. And she's, she's. This, 
Yeah. This moment is it's one literally one step away from her saying groovy after and, picking up her fucking tennis racket. And, and she's ready to oh, wait for it. Wait for it. She's ready to make love. Let's remember, by the way, that Mary has been the worst character in this entire movie. Up absolutely. To this point. Absolutely. So I don't give a fuck about her shitty tennis. Also, how ridiculous! Like this movie has not been light at all. It's yeah. been played incredibly seriously up to this point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So something this ridiculous being introduced, and it gets more ridiculous. It really. It is. Uh, yeah. It, it, it's difficult to swallow. <laughs> not like Zach's cum was. <laughs> well, I guess that was. I guess that was pretty difficult to swallow since it yeah, went right into a glass. Mary runs into a clearing, and I think it's supposed to be a cemetery. We see like little, like really little. Uh, markers. I think it's that cemetery from earlier, the one the, of Lost Souls or something. Yeah. And in the cemetery are two coffins. I don't know why there's two. <laughs> I think there are more than two. Oh, there's more than two? Okay, so yeah. there's a few coffins. So she goes over and opens one, and inside of it is Beth, and she's covered in maggots. Yep. And at that very moment, Judith and the rest of the girls show up. Oh, yes. Yeah, so, so, and they say it's the Garden of Fathers. It's where we put the boys when we're finished with them. Oh, okay. So it's not the... Uh... That's right. It's the other one. The other one was the Garden of Mothers. This is the Garden of Fathers. And the reason that Beth is there is because to call Beth a woman is an insult to the rest of us because she wasn't a big enough feminist. Bitch. And she goes, what are you? And, and they say, we're the future. These, <gasps> these feminists are awfully catty. Oh, yes, very much so. Well, they're, you know, synced up. Um, <laughs> <laughs> hey, remember that quote from that senator at the beginning? Nope. We get to hear it again in a different context. Oh. We both want a world where men look beyond the length of our skirts. Only you refuse to see that the only way that will happen is if we force it to. You can't yeah. force change on people. They have to want it themselves. Otherwise, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. Yeah, no, it, uh, it doesn't work. <laughs> Um, and we also learn at this moment that there are schools like this uh, female conservancy place that uh, that are all over the country. There's tons of them. Like Xavier's School for Gifted Children? Exactly. And what happens is that women wake up other women until it becomes a, pat- a perfect matriarchy, they said. Whoa. That's what they want. That's what feminists want. They don't, wanna, they don't want to even things out. Remember no. what we said earlier? Yeah. They want to push it in the other direction and show us what it's like. Soon, I'm going to be a minority in my own country. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. <laughs> so, Mary runs I'm, I'm just thinking about it because, man, all those women. Oh, man. Ooh. Maybe it wouldn't be so bad. Hey, no, it, <laughs> finally, it, 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 finally it, it, I could take the load off and uh, stay at home and uh, watch the game you while the ladies go to work. I would much rather be a stay-at-home dad than, <laughs> than go to work. You fucking kidding me? <laughs> I'll take that future any day. Oh my! Well, I don't agree with that, Mo, uh, because <laughs> children are the fucking worst, and I—I no, I know I'm telling that to someone who has children, but yeah. I hate them. So anyway, I like mine. Okay, good I hate for you. I hate everybody else's. Yes. So Mary runs off, and she gets tackled by Diane, and they have a very, very bad fight. And this—this this is really fucked up. So Mary. I mean, like the fight they have is particularly bad. I really have to mention that. It's just a really, really bad fight. Yeah. By people who don't know what the fuck they're doing. And it ends with Mary somehow using a tennis racket as a weapon and hitting Diane in the face with it, and she falls down and hits her head. Well, you know what? The tennis racket would work. 
So Judith sees this happen, and then she does that, you know, the classic villain line of, uh, look, you're as capable of violence as I am, because she just kind of, she killed someone in self-defense. Um, and then they fight. And this is a knife versus tennis racket fight, and if I had to put money on one of those weapons, it would likely be the knife. Yeah, but because this is a film, and because uh, the woman with the tennis racket is the quote-unquote heroine of the film... Um, that is to say that once she's uh, introduced, she puts you right to sleep. Uh, Ba-boom. Boom! Uh, Heroin. <laughs> be the death of me. Oh, such a perfect day. Because uh, <laughs> that song's about heroin, you know. Uh, yes? Uh, no, I, I was going to make a joke about the tennis racket win, but I've, you know, much like any moment when Mary's on screen, I'm finding myself tired. So it starts out as knife versus tennis racket. So they've chosen their weapons. And Judith knocks the tennis racket out of Mary's hand and she picks up a knife. So the knife was her backup weapon to a fucking tennis racket. Yeah, well, you know what? Just... <laughs> it would be my backup weapon as well, too, because tennis rackets are way more useful. So they have a back and forth. This is the longest uh, kind of fist fight in the movie. It's supposed to be sort of climactic because these are kind of our two main characters. It's terrible. It's yeah. really, really bad. Uh, and then it ends in this climactic moment where Mary is reaching, reaching, reaching for her magical tennis racket. Though I did, she... I did kind of love uh, Judith in almost an Emperor Palpatine type role. <laughs> yes. She's gone. She's gone purely over the dark side here. <laughs> fight with me. So she uh, and says, my, and, my, and my notes right here say, "Fuck this movie." Go ahead. <laughs> she even says, "You know, I like it rough." At one point, yeah, so baby. Uh, Mary has to reach, reach, reach for the for the tennis racket. She grabs it. She knocks Judith unconscious with it, and then she says this. Fifteen, love. Bitch. Well, she had an action movie line to close out that that moment, which, in the context of this movie, is fucking idiotic. Well, there's a couple of moments in this fight that I just fucking love. A, it's the fact that Mary now all of a sudden knows how to fight. Right. Um, and B... Well, no, remember, that is set up with her kickboxing. Oh, well, that's true. She does have the kickbox. Never mind. Okay, mm-hmm. so that, that, that point... Now, that, remember, that was literally seven seconds of this entire fucking movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remembered it. Well, I forgot. But there is a great moment where, where Mary kind of, like, does this reversal thing with her where she, like, kind of puts her leg up over and gets and gets her wrapped around in a different way and then, like, looks like she's basically, like, cunt-punching her. <laughs> And it's it's one of the it's one of the biggest laughs I had in the entire movie, and I don't think it was it's symbolic, to... Mo. Yeah, it's like yeah, she was punching her right in the cooch. Tonally, this fight is way different than the rest of the movie, and yeah. it ends in a way that seems like it's from a different movie. It's so fucked up. So Judith is unconscious. Mary runs off. She stops for a second. She's getting stomach pains, and remember, she's pregnant. I don't oh. know how that works. I think you probably can take a couple of shots to the stomach when you're like a week pregnant, but I don't know. Uh, you'll have to you'll have to tell me if you're a listener and you've been pregnant. You can tell us all about that, please. Yeah, tell me too, because I've never punched a woman in the stomach while she was a week pregnant. So, so she passes out. Mary passes out, and they both wake up like at the same time a little bit later. Oh, and I got a huge the- kick out of the fact that Mary had her tennis knee brace on too. <laughs> <laughs> I thought That's one that- of the things she dressed up as. Yeah, I, I thought that was great too. Yeah, go ahead. 
So Mary runs to a house. She doesn't know who lives there. She kind of breaks in and starts wrapping her wounds. And we see that she actually has cuts in a bunch of places. Yeah. And as she's doing that, a male servant appears, but he has no eyes. And we get a flashback to show that he was actually one of the boys from earlier, the one who was brought into the strip club. Yeah. I think he was the one that was left outside while the rest of them went inside, which we didn't really mention, but that's what happened. Yeah, well, whatever. And what we discover is that this entire house is run by slaves. What? By men slaves. By men. By men. (laughs) (laughs) So Mary finds headmistress Paula Ross. She's one half of the, uh, the, the two women who founded... The female school and little and she's no, like, and little known fact one half of the uh, the the uh, the team of Captain and Tennille. That's right. Very good, Mo. I <laughs> went a long way to get to that fucking try, joke. Try, trying to make jokes here, and I'm just failing. <laughs> <laughs> so the headmistress is almost catatonic. She's sitting there. She can barely move. She does. She, all she can say is, "Please help me." But we discover that there's another person in this house. Who is it, Mo? It's the senator. The senator, Senator Gail Hamlin, who we were introduced to at the beginning and played by Judith O'Day from Night of the Living Dead. I am shocked because I thought she would only show up for the beginning for no goddamn reason and I, then never appear again. I never thought she was going to show up again. Now, she's great. Like, this character is really interesting. Mm-hmm. And in the context of this movie, of course, it sucks. But <laughs> in the context of a good movie, this performance would be really terrific. Yeah. I'm embarrassed for Judith O'Day for being in this movie. Yeah, I feel bad for her. Even though she gets to deliver some really good material and d- do it very well. But we haven't really heard any of her acting. So there's a point here where she, uh, she takes a glass of wine from, from one of her servants and says this. Mm, the doctor says I shouldn't drink wine. The alcohol hinders my cancer medication. Still, one must live. She snaps her fingers. Yeah, and there's because there, there's a moment where uh, the, the 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 servant who's pouring the wine spills some on her hand mm-hmm. and on the floor, and because he's a lowly man, she makes him lick it off of her hand and then off of her off of the floor. Off the floor, he's to lick the floor clean. Yeah, because he's let it go, man. Yeah, he should have fought harder against the the matriarchy. Yeah, but now this is. Basically, what will happen to you if you elect Hillary Clinton into the presidency? <laughs> yeah, I gotta, we got to ask for like a – well, I don't want to say strip search because ain't nobody want to see that. But, you know, we, we got to do a, a check for, uh, for one of those uh, little dragonfly-looking marks on her. <laughs> it's too late, Mo. So <laughs> – so in this sequence, the senator actually – she explains things a little bit. But the fucked up thing is – I mean, the whole message of what she's saying is basically that feminism is a slippery slope, which is the message of this movie, which is the biggest load of bullshit I've heard in my entire goddamn life. <laughs> and she even, she even has reservations about it because she says that the first man, like the, when this whole kind of idea started, what they did was they, um, they killed a man who the justice system uh, failed a woman. So what he did is I think he raped a woman and he was found not guilty, so they killed him. Right. And that was the start of the school and the whole, you know, waking up women and all that sort of thing. But yeah. she thinks they've gone too far. They have. And, in fact, the senator wants Mary to be the one to stop it all. Yeah. <laughs> I, 
I'm at the point. This is this is like the point uh, in the movie where I'm just like, like I literally have uh, the words "fuck this movie," but the fuck has like 16 U's in it. So, <laughs> so okay, well, this is it. We're on, we're in the last few bits now. Anyway, please, yes. So, so she calls for the senator calls for number 23, and Zach comes out, what? but he's been like, yeah. So he doesn't have like balls anymore. And he, <laughs> and he, they fucked around with his brain, so now he's a zombie because that's what's happening to us men. Yeah, he's I don't, I don't quite get our... how that quite works. So, <laughs> so if you lobotomize a guy all, from the back of the head, by the way, because that's where the incision scar <laughs> was, um, then all of a sudden they stop reacting to their own name, but will respond to numbers and, and commands and commands. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Oh, this movie makes no sense. So he brings uh, a syringe and a gun. Yeah. Because apparently the senator's really been waiting for this to happen. Now, let's not forget the senator has cancer. She uh, She's very upset about that, as well she should be. Yeah, she even but, says the disease is going to rot her tits off. Yeah, which is a horrific image, but also... Uh, accurate. Accurate, and also it's 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 one of the more graphically effective lines in the movie. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. And because and thank goodness it comes from this character, mm. you know, played by the one real truly competent actress in the film. So, she takes the syringe and she injects it into the uh other woman. <laughs> the headmistress. Not not Mary, but the the near catatonic uh, other founder of the uh school. Yeah. And uh, they, they kind of like hug each other, and then she takes the gun, and she says this. This is a man's weapon. It is cold. It is distant. But maybe that's... That was the sound of her shooting herself in the chest. Yeah. So she thought it was fitting that she took a man's weapon to end herself because she took things too far against the men. Right? If only she had been a little bit more cold and distant like the men were. I know, right? Mm-hmm. Instead of warm. That's the problem with women. They're too warm and soft and nice. And feeling. And feeling and... and Sex and, and it's just the comfort. Worst. It's the worst. And God, I'm having a little breakdown thinking about Ugh. it. Anyway, so she's dead. She wants Mary to put a stop to everything. Wish maybe she gave her a few more resources or p- bits of advice. But whatever. <laughs> I guess, she's like, I guess that was her whole plan. She's like, Ma- Mary, stop everything, okay? Boom. So she, Mary, then apologizes to the Zack zombie for everything she's put him through. If but only he- she decided. To stay at home and let him be a doctor just like she should have, then everything would have been okay. But he doesn't respond to Zach. He, he doesn't no. respond until she says his number. Yeah. Actually, there's a pretty good moment where she says number 23, and she almost almost like chokes on the word. Yeah. Uh, if only the, it's the, close, the suggestion. It's the closest thing to acting she does in the film. <laughs> if only the suggestion of the scene wasn't such a fucking horseshit. <laughs> so then she kills Zach with a knife. Once again, setting him free. From the horrible future of women being in control. Yeah. Oh, God. And my, I mean, notes, got... and my notes here say, I hate this movie. Yeah. Okay. So uh, one nice thing about this scene is there's these great overhead shots 
of everything, all the action that's happening. Yeah. I guess there was a staircase, <laughs> but uh, but it looks really nice. And uh, this is it looks a little too nice considering how well, much there wasn't a staircase. There was a balcony, remember? Oh, that's right. Yeah. Well, it, there's a staircase that goes up well, to the balcony. Yeah, duh. But <laughs> <laughs> so then Mary runs out, runs away again, as is her way. And she immediately starts to climb a wall for some reason. I don't know why. Why not? Right? I mean, you think you could go out the driveway, but she decides to climb a wall. And she awkwardly climbs over it. And when she gets to the other side, she's at the strip club from earlier. Yeah. I guess it was right next to their house or something. The layout is kind of difficult to work out. So she goes inside, and this whole sequence is so fucked up that I thought it was a dream sequence. Yeah, it almost it almost feels like a dream sequence. Like, it, yeah. it almost feels like Twin Peaksy. So they go. She goes in, and a bartender immediately looks at her strangely. And there are men, two men, drinking at a table with a woman. And uh, since she's like covered in blood and shit, the guy says, "Are you okay?" And she nods that she is. And then he says, "I'm a cop." And are you sure that you're okay? And she says that she is okay. again. Why didn't she say that she wasn't okay? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, because she has to take care of everything. That's right. It's trauma. You can't allow a man to help. No. Because that might just work out for everything. <laughs> so anyway, then Judith comes out. <laughs> Judith, who has apparently recovered from all of her injuries yeah. and is now a stripper, she comes out and does like a little dance, this a was, really long dance. This was so weird because she's got like a, a like a racket imprint on her face, and yes, like, she does. Yeah, you know, she's bruised up. But I'm like, but didn't like didn't Mary kill her? No, no, she just knocked her unconscious. Oh. We did see her wake up. Oh, okay. Unless this is all a dream, Whoa. just like you, your very favorite. So she walks into the crowd, the crowd of, what, four people? <laughs> two of them being men, two of them being women. And uh, the cop actually says to her this. How much for a private dance? Sorry. This one's taken. So what she means by that is that she's going to give Mary a private dance instead. So she straddles Mary. Yeah. <laughs> and this, oh man, the sequence. Why did Mary allow this to happen? Why did she come in here in the first place? How much does she know about this place? Why didn't she get help from the cop? Why didn't she just run out the fucking door? Yeah. This doesn't make any sense at all. No, it so, doesn't make any fucking sense. I, oh, God. So we do discover at this point that I think it's supposed to be suggested that the the woman who first started all of this, the the one that the senator uh, helped her murder her uh, raper, raper, rapist, raper, um, was was Judith, because she says that when she was nineteen she was raped at a college party, uh, and they ga- said it was gang, consensual. gang raped, gang raped. That's right. And she had actually almost she tried to kill herself, and then Hamlin found her. And then she told her that there could still be justice, and she became a partner. A partner? Fuck. Sorry. <laughs> so she became a monster. <laughs> no, no, you're, you're right the first time. She became a partner. <laughs> they became partners. But she also became a monster. And she said being a monster is better than being a victim. And that's what feminism does. It turns women from victims to monsters. If they just stayed as victims, they'd be much better off. I agree. So... <laughs> so there, she's still straddling her, and then she leans in for a kiss, and Mary kisses her, 
And she thinks it's all going to work out because I guess Judith's brain is supposed to be all fucked up. But in the process, Mary takes out a knife that was under the table for some reason. Yeah. Do you know what, how that happened? No. Like, wh- why was the knife there? No idea. No idea where the knife came from. No idea why she had it. So she takes out a knife and stabs Judith, and now Judith is dead. Yep. Right in front, right in front of the cop. Right in front of the cop. Now the cop then gets up and pulls out a gun. But then Diane, remember who we thought she was dead earlier, the dominatrix? Yeah. She runs in and gets shot by the cop. <sighs> and then a, the bartender and another girl, they murder the two men that are there. Yeah. Why don't they murder Mary? Oh, I thought they died. I thought they died somehow. I guess, who, the, I guess, the women? Yeah, I guess they don't. No, I don't think they do. Oh. We, I don't think we find out, actually. They're still killing the men when Mary runs off. And then she falls down in church. Remember the beginning of the movie? Oh, yeah, we're, we're back, back there. there. Yay. Man, I'll tell you, these flashback like, plots where you start at a point and then you have to get to it, when that point happens to be the end of the movie, it pisses me off every time. <laughs> because it means that nothing's going to matter until we get to that point. Right? right, exactly. So she falls down unconscious, and at some other point, maybe in the next day, a woman finds her, and she goes, are you okay? But we can see the tattoo of the women's uh, school. Yeah, for some, for some reason, the nun who does, who goes to help her rolls up her sleeve. Yeah, right? You know, to show <laughs> off the, uh, the, the tattoo on her arm. And the final line before the credits is exactly the sort of fucking line that you would hear in one of those Kirk Cameron bullshit Christian movies. <laughs> where she says, in the end, the question isn't how did things get this far? It's how far are they going to go, yeah. right? Yeah, uh-huh. And I, by the way, we're not done yet. It's the credits. I wish, the credits have I, started. wish I could say this was the end of the movie. Boy, just, <laughs> we're, just the we're so close, the Mo. Credits. And Hold I, me, Mo. <laughs> so at this, point, at this point, I have written the end, dot, 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 I hate this movie. <laughs> well, Mo, while the credits roll, just in case you wanted to pay attention to some of those names, they decide to distract you with more movie. She even says in the voiceover, one more thing. Uh, so there's a, there's, there's a big rally, a big political rally for Senator Stevens. And we see some dudes, some bro dudes, and they're checking out a girl. And they go to talk to her. And we discover that the girl they want to talk to is Iris. What? Yep. And, uh, you know, she has a reputation. Uh, sorry, he has a reputation, this guy, as being something of a lady killer. And Iris says, I'm something of a lady killer myself. Because it's a joke because she murders people. Yeah, wah, wah. So uh, this is all really distracting. So she invites this guy to a strip bar. Yeah, I like how she says strip bar. Yeah. Like, to me, that sounds like a bar that's in a strip mall. Well, I mean, it's not really a club, so I guess you couldn't really call it a strip club because there's only like three tables, <laughs> and no one gets naked in it. <laughs> it's kind of like the, it's kind of like one of those bars, like in the old, like uh, you know, like something weird, where like you just go there and there's like go-go dancers. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Isn't there some states in the U.S. that don't allow either like any nudity in strip bars? Yeah. Yeah. I know there's there's a lot of topless only places. Yeah. I mean, thankfully, Europe and Canada where they allow all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know anything about it. I've actually never been in a strip club because I respect women. Please. I love women. That's why I stay away from them. Then you have not lived, my friend. So at that moment, the senator comes out. And what's what do we see about the senator? It's a woman. It's a woman. Are we supposed to recognize this woman? Because I don't. If they, if we are supposed to recognize them, then I don't. I thought it was maybe supposed to be Judith. 
Like maybe she didn't die. But I didn't recognize her. Yeah, I didn't recognize them at all. So I, I don't know if it's just. Like, I'm glad. I, look, all I care about is that I wasn't the only one who didn't know what was going on nope, here. Not the only one. And then we get the voiceover of you can't force change on people. And we see that Mary is up in like a tower somewhere with a rifle. Yeah. She's going to murder this politician. Yeah, she's, she's, That'll help. she's up in the book depository. Yeah, that's right. That's right. The book depository would be a good bet. <laughs> um, so, so that's how the movie ends with the idea that she is she's just like the senator suggested. She's going to end things by killing this politician. Though I don't see how that would help things at all. Yeah, I guess it it stops them from like getting power quicker. But doesn't the suggestion seem to be from that that if you see a woman politician getting a certain amount of power, that you should try to kill her? Because otherwise, she's going to push forward the matriarchy. Yeah, I, ugh, I'm. I don't even want to talk about this movie anymore. Just... We are. We are going to talk about this, sir. Uh, can we just be done? <laughs> we are done. We are so close. The movie's yeah, over. I know. Like literally over. I know. There's nothing interesting about the closing credits. Nothing you need to know about it. All you need to know is that I spent an hour last night cursing Paul Bassetti's name. Yeah. For forcing me to watch. Women's Studies from 2008 slash 2010, which has currently a 5.7 out of 10 rating on IMDb. That seems high. I will say, having looked at almost all of the commonly available reviews for this movie, they are overwhelmingly positive. Really? Almost none of them mention the troublesome aspects of the plot, and if they do, it is always with, this movie is a strong... (laughs) Representation of when people take dogma too far, when they when they allow their belief system to get too go too far, then this is this is a uh, uh, a cautionary tale. Do uh, do any of the positive reviews for this seem anything like the positive reviews we've read for certain other films? Yes, if, if you catch my drift. Uh huh. Okay. Yeah. No. This there's uh, there's an. Inc- an incompetency to a lot of these reviews. I mean, let's face it. And and I, I'm I'm uh, when it comes to uh, a, a, an, a, micro, a micro budget movie and trying to get reviews, you get what you can. Yeah, right. So a lot of them are not necessarily well written. But even I mean, in in fairly well known places, they don't seem to have any trouble with it. So I was glad to find one article, <laughs> which I did post over on our Facebook group uh, from a site which I I don't always love, which is Jezebel.com. But at least is one that would be able to see this from the perspective of what it actually is. And they have an article about women's studies called, Here's a Hilariously Bad Horror Movie About Feminism Gone Wrong, which is what this movie is. Yeah. It's hilariously bad, and it's about, I mean, it does feel like a movie designed by men's rights activists. Yeah, I, I see. Yeah, you know, oh, that's, that's a great point. Yeah, this really does feel, this feels like Reefer Madness. Like, yeah, like it, it feels because it's, again, it's just like one of those religious movies, yeah, right? Yeah, it's like this is what happens if the non-believers take over. Right. This is what happens if the druggies take over. Yeah, it, and that's uh, the weird thing is over on the women's studies Facebook group, they actually posted that article from Jezebel, and they they in fact it's the most recent thing from 2013 that was put on their Facebook page, and they say Jezebel found women's studies comments are hilarious. Watch the movie. And it seems like either they don't take those comments seriously or, well, there's no suggestion there that they think the people's interpretation was wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
which has to suggest that they think that, yes, that's what this movie's about, but you're wrong for having those beliefs in the first place. <laughs> uh. Now, for anyone who's listening to us for a long time now, and think that we, Mo and myself, are ridiculous, or that we're uh, bleeding hearts, or that we're... That, 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 that we are... Castrated ourselves that we, that we don't have any strength in us Because women have sapped it from us Grow a fucking brain And honestly watch women's studies But watch it with a critical eye Because we watch everything with a critical eye Because you have to Ugh. Because otherwise you're going to swallow this As if it's, ah, it's just another horror movie Don't think about it too much You can't watch this and not think about What, what bullshit it is and the fact that so many people have watched it and barely mention the fact that it's so ridiculously offensive, I find that really troubling. And I think it really represents a lacking thing when it comes to criticism and, and uh, micro-budget movie criticism. Yeah. This, this society has failed us when it allows a movie as horrible as this to be out in the world. <laughs> no, well, I don't. I don't mean that. I, certainly, any point of view can be made into a movie. But I am here as someone who has given their ninety minutes to it to tell you that women's studies is unwatchable garbage. Well, it's not unwatchable, but it is garbage. I find that it's unwatchable not because I, I'm using watch in the form of not what I'm seeing just with my eyes. Oh, okay, okay, I get it. I get it. I mean, it's unwatchable because of the content within it. Sure. And uh, I would feel comfortable in saying that it is one of the worst movies ever covered here on No Budget Nightmares. Yeah, well, it's certainly one of the most repugnant. Yes. You know, I mean, I can think of a couple that we've done that are worse, but this one's, oh, yes. this one's up there. <laughs> there's, there's been some other repugnant ones, too. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have to, we don't have to think too long to No, to we really that. don't have to. Uh, <laughs> Scarlet Fries don't get rid of our fist. <laughs> so, uh, but this one is one that I found uh, d- disappointing. Uh, because I thought it actually when I when we were joking about it at the end of last episode, it was from the perspective of oh me and Mo we're gonna have to to, to hold our tongues a little so we don't end up saying something offensive to women. And then the movie itself ended up being offensive to <laughs> yeah, women because we the were entire time. it to be what we what it was claiming to be. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so we need to cleanse ourselves oh, God. thoorly and totally yes, from the horrific please? horrific experience that was. Women's studies. Uh, I, I, uh, of course, we are never going to say. We will never say that a director shouldn't make another movie. No, I, and, uh, and, and, and again, like there's no director out there, save for one, that we're that <laughs> I'm un, completely unwilling to, uh, you know, to cover another movie of theirs. Like, th- there's there's just the one. I, everybody else, I'm totally open for, you know, and I'd be happy to watch. What was his name? Lonnie Martin. Yes. Yeah, I'd be totally happy to watch another Lonnie Martin film at some point in the future. I just didn't like this one. Exactly. Yeah. I would add to that. Actually, I guess technically there are two directors that we won't, but never mind. That's just, just <laughs> there are the one, what, the what, one that's known publicly. <laughs> so what I do want to say is there are some who have watched the movie who are listening to this who think that we have misinterpreted it entirely. And I'm willing to absolutely hear that point of view. Please come over to the Facebook group or send us an email and tell us your own thoughts and tell us why we're wrong. Because I'm willing. I mean, we just broke it down piece by piece. I think we really did support what we were saying and how it's shown in the movie. Like I said at the beginning of when we started to, to discuss women's studies, 
if I misinterpreted, then Mo misinterpreted, then this Jezebel article misinterpreted, then that is a failing with the movie. Something is fucked up here. Right. And it means that it can be that easily misinterpreted, and that is not my fault. Yeah. That is the movie's fault. Exactly. So, so I'm just saying that so I can let go of women's studies. for. But I'm very curious to hear some of the responses to this. As per usual, I'm sure people are going to get the fucking movie just so they can be involved in the conversation. <laughs> I was just really upset by it, Mo. A little upset. Yeah. Doug's getting upset here. Yeah. All right. So as I said before... As a palate cleanser, we are not going to jump right into another audience choice movie. We just can't take it. We needed something to cleanse the palate. Cleanse the palate <laughs> to regain all the audience that we've lost after this episode. Yeah, sorry about that, guys. <laughs> so Mo and I had a little conversation. We there's lots of movies that are kind of in uh, in the docket, ready for us to watch. But there's also a few kind of classics that we haven't touched on yet. And one of the directors who we've always wanted to discuss. Yeah, we really have. We've we've talked about it pretty much since day one, and it just it's just never come up. Well, who is it? Who is this director? His name is Don Doler. Don Doler, one of, one of the greats. It, one of the greats, and one of the kind of original. Uh, micro budget, sorry, micro budget auteurs, people who who gained a following based on the creativity and originality of the work that they were putting out, and have really gained a, an enduring reputation. He's passed on now, but uh, thankfully these films are here that we can watch and discuss. But on the next episode, I don't know what I'm starting to to lose my ability to speak because I've used up so much energy. <laughs> I I run out of words. <laughs> On the next episode of No Budget Nightmares, Mo and I are going to discuss 1982's Night Beast. Yes! Directed and written by Don Doler. Yep. And I know at least Robert Long is going to be really excited. I was just going to make a finally. Robert Long popping a boner joke there, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> We're hopping in the way back machine. We're going way back no, to I'm, 1982. I'm totally happy about that. Yeah, so I, that's going to be a lot of fun. That's going to be sort of the opposite of this episode. Yeah, John, John, John Cross is popping a fucking excitement boner, too. <laughs> no doubt and he needs it so <laughs> yeah that's that's what he needs an, an excuse for another boner so let's talk about slaughter tales by johnny dickey a much superior movie to fucking women's studies. and that's saying something and that's saying something uh we before this episode started we did a draw for the winner of a dvd special edition copy of slaughter tales and we went through, uh, you may recall, all you had to do was do an iTunes review of No Budget Nightmares, and you would be put into a pool. And that included everyone who has given us a review in the past. Like a kitty pool? Uh, like a kitty like pool, exactly. Filled, and filled with jello? No, filled with kitties. Oh, nice. Um, <laughs> but the winner of this copy of Slaughter Tales is a gentleman by the name. Actually, I shouldn't say gentleman. No, that is we, we, sh- we should read some of the new reviews we got. Well, let's start with you. Why don't you read one of the reviews, Mo? Because I'm still steaming about this. All right, hold on. I gotta. I, I, I wish you're putting me on the spot here. I gotta pull those up now. I can edit it out, Mo. Just pretend it didn't happen. Uh-huh. Well, let's let's start with let's start with my favorite one. It, All right. It's a it's a five star review for uh, given to us uh, in April, uh, just recently. Uh, it says it starts off, dear Doug, dot 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 dot. Like I am here now. Um, would you quit with? inane hysterical laughter uh it makes you sound like you ride the short bus to school 
which is my favorite part of the of the thing, which is saying something because the next part's even better. Um, and Mo, my dear, you're you're uh, so you're down with the swirl, huh? And it took me a second to realize what the hell she meant there. Um, <laughs> Uh, as I've uh, got to be one of the few black female fans, tell me more, winky emoticon. Uh, but for real, though, these guys are hilarious, very knowledgeable, and are always a good time. Glowingly recommend. Or I glowingly recommend. And that is from uh, Crystal with a little uh, less than three. I think it's a heart. I understand that, but that's the joke, is that it's a less than three. No, but I think it's supposed to be a heart. I, it, <sighs> Uh, Crystal I'm addressing you now directly Yeah Here's the thing about my laughter I'm a man (laughs) Sorry I didn't mean to laugh at the fact that you're a man I I am a man And as a man My high pitched inane hysterical laughter Is what defines me See I think his his, his, uh, Hysterical laughter is more insane Than inane But but I'm with you on that one it's insane in the inane. <laughs> but what I'm trying to say is, I have to do a lot of work here, okay? I'm doing some work on No Budget Nightmares. And I'm watching movies, and I'm kicking ass, and I'm taking names. And I'm chewing bubblegum. And I'm, that's and right. I'm, I'm all I'm out, out of bubblegum. Bubble but what I'm trying to say is, I can't stop. <laughs> I can't stop. I won't stop. It's not intentional. I find Mo very funny. I find the fact that we're doing this very funny. But I also, I want to care about the people who are listening and those people's eardrums. So I do try to keep it down a little. And I wasn't laughing as much on this episode because I was depressed the whole time. <laughs> this is a depressing episode. See, I, see I, the, one of the, my favorite things about doing this show is that I think you're one of the few people in the world who actually finds me funny. So, <laughs> so the fact that anybody laughs at shit I say, uh, it just it, it works for me. So I'm fine with you laughing because it means that there's one person in the world who actually finds me funny. Also, there's nothing wrong with riding the short bus. I, I am offended by the suggestion. <laughs> uh, I shouldn't be offended by the suggestion that I do it because I just said there's nothing wrong with it. No, no, she's, so. no she's, she's making reference to that John Cameron Mitchell film. Uh, oh, okay. Title. So I'm going to have some, some mad, ruddy moments with Suki and Lee. Yeah. <laughs> you don't know what I'm talking about, but that's okay. I do. <laughs> so uh, some more <laughs> reviews here. Uh, Anthony says, we are the savior to cinema. I love that everyday guys are taking today's technology to share the obscurity of no-slash-low-budget horror and with a sense of humor. See? Humor. Laughter. That's what you get with humor. You laugh. (laughs) It may be inane, it might be hysterical, but it's laughter. I'll do the next one so you can do the last one. A truly great podcast. Every two weeks or so, <laughs> or so is right, <laughs> Moporn and Doug Tilly bring us a review from a low-budget film they found. <laughs> Some of these movies are terrible, but Mo and Doug are always entertaining, and I have seen many of the movies they've watched, and they are better than I am for making it through these movies alive. You That's from That Guy 1979. And, uh, yeah, we're better than our listeners. I thought that was at least implied, but certainly let's just make it clear uh, as possible. Uh, we are better than you. Let's make it implicit. <laughs> implicit. That's the word I was <laughs> straining for and couldn't find. Uh, and then the, uh, the last one, um, uh, <laughs> it's a little biased, but it says, uh, it says nice podcast. Uh, and then it's, uh, then it says, Hey Mo, nice show. Uh, I won't, <laughs> I won't let the public know about your real name. Momar. 
Uh, and this was uh, given to us by Live Mike, who is actually the lead singer to my old band. Such a large crowd of people we have listening to No Budget Nightmares. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not just friends and family members at all. Um, but none of those people won. <laughs> nope. Sorry. In fact, the winner of the copy of Slaughter Tales was was from a iTunes review that was written in December of 2013. So congratulations, Bracky Wacky. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, in fact, I'm not sure who this is. You have it's, no idea. Uh, the name is Video Clerk 82 and this person wrote wa- a while ago, Doug and Moe's enthusiasm for Z-grade cinema is infectious and will make you want to seek out these films despite their repeated pleas not to. The Vampire Hunter, Suburban Sasquatch, and recently Kindergarten Ninja episodes are some of the finest. So you can see how long ago that was. I'm so, I'm so glad you read this one because I got I got to hear Suburban Sasquatch again. <laughs> nothing nothing wrong with the way I say Sasquatch. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Video Clerk 82 You are the winner of, of the Slaughter Tales DVD Please send us uh, You can drop us a line on Twitter or on Facebook Or send us an email uh, through the website Over at nobudgetpodcast.com And we'll hook you up brother Or sister if you are indeed that Since we did not uh, specify yeah. who that might be Since we don't uh, Yeah Congratulations Yeah Pleased to meet you. Uh, so, uh, so that's great news. We can finally get that off and move on to our next exciting piece of news, which is plugs. Mo, how can people find No Budget Nightmares on the internet? Now, the easiest way is go right to facebook.com slash groups slash No Budget Nightmares. One word. All one word. You can find all of our latest writing, latest uh, podcast appearances. You can find me trying to promote all sorts of horseshit. And uh, you can also converse with some of the actors and directors of your favorite low-budget movies. And sometimes you me. Can- and sometimes Mo when he gets the wild hair up his ass. Yeah. You can also find Mo occasionally on Twitter at drunk on VHS, all one word, or myself on Twitter at Doug underscore Tilly. That's T I L L E Y. I'm also not using the uh, Twitter account at Strange Vapes. Strange Vapes, which is your web show, which you can explain. Yeah, it's a YouTube show um, where I review uh, like e-juices for electronic cigarettes that are all very odd and unusual flavored. Like, They're strange even. Yeah, it's like pizza and and <laughs> various types of cheese and other disgusting things. And you can also find me on my brand new podcast, Eric Roberts is the Fucking Man, episode two just dropped, uh, with the guest being Lucas Rue Raymond, the musical genius behind many of the songs here on No Budget Nightmares, and it we covered the film's Runaway Train and the uh, video game adaptation DOA Dead or Alive. So you can check that out at ericrobertsistheman.com. Hey, Doug, let's see how good your memory is. Do you, re- uh-huh. do you recall what the Runaway Train No Budget Nightmares tie-in is? Let's see. Was it John Voight? N- no. Was it Canon Films? No. What is it? In Video Violence... The poster, the gigantic <gasps> poster what? hanging right in, right next to the door to the video store is a poster for Runaway Train. That is fucked. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll have to watch Video Violence once again so I can see that and, and one, tie things together. One of the few films that we've covered that is actually worth watching again. <laughs> <laughs> That's a generalization, but it's very true. It's fucking true as shit. All right. Well... Oh, and you can also, of course, hear Rue's uh, theme song for Eric Roberts is the Fucking Man over at ericrobertsistheman.com. But with that said, 
you, you know what? For anyone who listened to our last episode, it seems to end in a really fucked up way. It's because we expected there to be a song by Rue at the end of it, and when there wasn't, I had to edit a bunch of shit around to make it so it just ended, because we ended with us saying, now here's the song. <laughs> so I was actually taking pieces from another episode just to piece something together there. So what I'm going to say here is, hopefully... What we're saying right now will be followed by a song about women's studies, but I would not blame Rue at all if he didn't want to write one. I'd be perfectly fine with him not doing a song for this one if he didn't want to. Oh, no. I, I'm very curious about it. I wouldn't be fine. I'm never fine with it. Well, that's true. But, but... But, but I do want to see what he comes up with, so hopefully we'll have something here. But uh, aside from that, meet you next time for Don Doler's Night Beats. Yeah. There are flowers in the garden Who have seen no sun Speak the words upon these pages All the flowers run But a petal that is wilting May not feel the dew by the time this night is over I'll be through with men like you Infatuation can bring danger Obsession brings the same I'll admit I am a stranger To this changing game When you witness men's abrasion It can warp the mind Then you'll know female persuasion Is the strongest kind Hey, tudo que envolve a lei.